Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right, welcome everyone. We've got a very special guest, Mr. Johnny Moreno, Johnny Vibes. I actually refer to you as Johnny Vibes. I forget that's not your real name. Um, and then, and then I, and I get that, uh, I, 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 I realize it, but Johnny Vibes, Johnny Vibes, what's going on, man? Tell us, how's it going? How's it going, bud? My, my real name actually is Johnny, so we're halfway there, but the Vibes is obviously an alias. I saw that there were some questions in the uh, Twitter that were like, is his last name really Vibes? No, my last name is not really Vibes. My last name is Moreno, I, or, as the, or as the Hispanics say it, Moreno. Yes, I, I know this, and I actually don't forget. I love that because you kind of embody vibes. You embody positive energy. Uh, you know, again, we've we've met, we've we've spoken. I, I really am aligned with your sort of mission, your 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 whole the flow, the thing, what you got going. I just I like it, I dig it, and I'm excited to get to talk more today and get to know you better and have the audience get to know you better. Maybe tell us a bit about yourself if uh, those wouldn't know about you or some background. Give us a little bit of uh, where you grew up, kind of what got you into poker, and then uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, before I touch on that, it is kind of interesting that you say that just because, you know, the poker industry is like the poker world is pretty small in general as far as players go. And even though I wasn't really in the tournament scene, we still kind of knew of each other. And like even as long as like four years ago, I think we swapped in the main event. And I'm like, I barely know this guy, but I'm just like putting out all these pieces just in case someone goes really far, you know, and actually yeah. one year Max Steinberg final tabled for me. So I think that year I, I cashed, so I gave you a little bit of money. So we've had some financial transactions, but this is like, I feel like our first real meeting. Uh, exactly. And I got actually, when that's interesting to know. So technically I gotta, I gotta tell you though, you didn't, you didn't make me money and then you cost me money in theory. Cause Max took out my horse, uh, aces to tens and six. So that was the biggest oh, thing man. in my life. But, <laughs> so um, I did cost you money. Yeah, no, but I, mean, I guess it's irrelevant, but he, he was there, it was there, but you made, yeah. So that was a big, that was a big equity uh, moment there. So we've collided, uh, via, you know, mutual swaps, I guess, in some big spots. So, um, yeah, man, no, great to have you on. And, and again, uh, I, I love that. I just want to say like the vibe, it's sort of like how I chose the word flow. Like, I just love that word. I just think it's like so powerful and it's so like embodies kind of life. And I think vibes is one of those things as well. Like it's just powerful. It's like, you know, your vibe, your flow, these kind of things are important. And it's a, uh, it's like a, it's a cool word as well. So um, yeah, tell me, tell me a little bit about where that came from. And then also the, the poker background. Yeah, no, for sure. I feel like those two words are, can obviously be synonymous. Uh, they have like a lot of the same meanings. I think a lot of times people think of the word vibes and they automatically think like positive vibes. And that's not really like what I was really going for. It was more, I was just trying to live my life and, and do things in a way that were like, that was conscious about energy and just like what, doing my part to, to um, contribute like positive things to the world, not necessarily like always being positive, but just looking at life in a deeper way in a more meaningful way. But yeah, as far as like where that came from, I've been playing poker for, for my primary source of income for probably 13 years now. And as you know, obviously when you get kind of deep into, especially for me, I, I'm a cash game grinder and didn't really play tournaments. So there was never really like these big scores or anything. It's always been a grind. I was just kind of looking for different things that could like creatively satisfy me, creatively inspire me. And I ended up coming, I ended up DJing. That was one of the things that I did. 
and um, picking up a production of a a Ableton Music. And uh, another thing that I did was I wanted to create my own clothes. So I started a clothing brand. This was probably two years before I started vlogging. So I've kind of always been creatively inspired. And the name of the company was Vibes Clothing. So when it came time to choose a name for my channel, people had already been calling me Vibes. So I just went with my first name and called myself Johnny Vibes. I actually didn't really choose that name for me. I chose the company name, but people started calling me that. And then all of a sudden I was Johnny, I was vibes to some people. And I, and when I created my YouTube channel, I didn't think that it was going to be a thing. I thought it was just going to be a place where I kind of had fun uploading videos. I didn't think I was going to create this alter ego called Johnny vibes. It's, it's kind of crazy how everything happens like that. Yeah, no, it's uh, it is. It, it's taking the first step and, and doing diving in again. And with people in poker nowadays, I feel like there's basically people that are making it are successful and able to do it for a living. There's basically two, two people or a hybrid. It's either you're kind of like a wizard solver, sorcerer, you know, playing GTO. You're just like studying and, and a crusher and great player, or you're sort of like a content person that also obviously can win and play good poker, but it takes a lot of time. You know, it does take a lot of time to produce content, to do videos, to upload. And, and it's sort of a, a hybrid. I think there's uh, some that kind of cross over and do, do both very well, which is, you know, even more impressive because it is a, uh, it's an art form. And I give a lot of respect to people that, that do create a brand that create a, whether it's a vlog, a Twitch, um, a podcast, whatever it may be, it does take a lot of effort, time, and uh, you know it's cool to see because it's hard to start. I think you would say, is that true for you that it, you know, diving in, like you said, you don't really necessarily know what's going to happen or if you're going to do it, uh, but you, you kind of give me a little bit about the start. Like how? Do, like when did you kind of say, you know what, this is a thing. I'm going to push at it. I'm going to put some money into it. I'm going to buy equipment. I'm going to go on it. When did you know that this was something you really want to pursue? Yeah. So I, one of the things that I like to do is when I'm creatively inspired to do something, I'll kind of like put it out there to my friends. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going to pick up DJing and like I'm going to put out a mix. And I, I created like a mix and I uploaded it. And then I told all my friends about it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to DJ in a club one day. Even though I wasn't ready for it, I just kind of announced it to the world. And once my friends knew that I said I was going to do that, I kind of always had I had to come through on it. So the same thing with vlogging. When I decided that I was going to make a video, I I told people, hey, I'm going to make 10 videos and I'm going to put it on YouTube. So even though like nobody really watched the first one, nobody watched the second one, I kind of signed up for 10 videos because, you know, that's that's what I declared out to everyone that I was going to do. And mm -hmm. it's interesting. I never really expected to make videos beyond this 10. I thought it was going to be like this like bookend project that I did. But in the seventh video, uh, it like really picked up traction on YouTube and a bunch of people started commenting and they're like, tell us more, you know, like we want to hear more about the poker stuff, you know, tell us more about your thought process. So I was like, wow, I, I remember waking up one morning and having like hundreds of comments on a video and tens of thousands of views. And I was like, didn't really expect that to ever happen when I started uploading videos. So when it came time to reevaluate after the 10 videos, I was like, I'm having fun. People are liking this. So I can commit to making a video, you know, once every 10 days, once every two weeks. And with no real like long-term plan of, hey, I'm going to be a content creator. It was more just, I love making videos. This is fun. I'm terrible at being in front of the camera. Maybe I should improve on that. So it's kind of one part having fun, one part wanting to better myself at public speaking, wanted to better myself at making videos. Cause like I said, I had a clothing brand. I wanted to make better videos for my clothing brand. I just wanted to be a more well-rounded person in terms of uh, a creative endeavor. So 
it wasn't this master plan. It's just one foot in front of the other. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is kind of crazy. People are watching. People are recognizing me in poker rooms. People are following me on Instagram now. So yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy how thing work, things work out. Yeah, definitely. I see another YouTube guy who is very successful. Jamon Burton is in the chat. I think uh, he was saying hello. I got his YouTube page up here. He's got a really strong following and be good to have him on in the, in the future podcast. I know he, he does some really interesting and creative uh, content as well. Are you from, you know, Jamon well or not? Yeah. Uh, Jamin, Jamin Burton is uh, from St. Louis. Yes. From St. Louis. And he was actually one of the guys on my radar when I first started uh, thinking about making poker videos. I actually knew Andrew Nimi from the Vegas like mid stake scene because like I said, I was like a cash game grinder. I still am a cash game grinder, but I've spent most of my time in Vegas and Southern California. So I was I knew the guys in the mid stakes in those areas and Andrew Nimi was one of those guys. So when he started putting out videos, I'm like, hey, I know this guy. I see him around the poker room. Like this is somebody that I know that can do this. So it kind of inspired me. I went down the rabbit hole of who else is making content. Jamin was one of the channels that I really enjoyed because he didn't have the standard poker videos. And for me, I don't really want to sit there and watch people talk about hands. You know, poker has been my life for a long time. So if I'm going to watch a YouTube video, I want to be told a story and be creatively inspired. And that was something that Jamin was doing. He wasn't kind of, he wasn't really just sitting there spouting off hands. He was really caring about story and production. So he was one of the guys that I really was inspired by at the very beginning before I even started making videos. And it's crazy. Like we become really good friends now. We talk on a consistent basis. Just the whole idea of creating poker content, you, it happens by accident, but you develop this community with people and it's really fun. I, I have really good relationships that I've met through making poker videos. It's, it's really crazy. Even the people that have been quote unquote fans or consumers of the videos, I've become friends with some of those people. It's in, insane. Yeah. I'm all over the world. I love it. Yeah, I see actually right here. There's uh, one of your more, re- I guess, four vlogs ago um, was he's in, featured in it or you're yep. doing, a, doing a talk and live stream. So that's cool. Glad he's stopping by. And hopefully, yeah, it'd be good to have him on in the future. Uh, tell me a bit about coronavirus and, and your plans. You see, you did talk about your plans. Did you stick to those plans and what you had laid out about five months ago and we're into this pandemic? Is it where you basically did what you thought? Have things been different than how you thought? And you've been traveling yeah. as well. So tell me a little bit about what um, I don't know. I don't know if you can relate to this, but w- for some reason, when I try to make plans greater than six months out, they never really go the way that I think they're going to go, especially when you're in an industry or a profession where you're you're kind of always hustling. You're always on your toes. Like even if you have like a six month plan, something comes up within one month or two months that kind of shifts it. So I'm constantly in evaluation mode. But I, I pretty much I had planned on getting aggressive through um, through the quarantine and through lockdown on creating content. Mm-hmm. But honestly, my creativity was a little bit stifled and I was really just scrambling to make money, you know, just focusing on online play because obviously I played live for the last probably eight ever since Black Friday. I, pl- I played live. So that was my primary source of income, I had to really figure out, am I even good enough to play online? If I am good enough to play online, like I need to find better games. Maybe I should get in home games. So I really focused on just making money over quarantine and less on the content. But now that poker rooms are starting to open up, I want to get back into the content because 
it's crazy. I never thought that making content would be a source of income, uh, even after a year. Like I wasn't making any money from making content. But as I've picked up traction, I've seen how it could be something that could be really beneficial for, for myself and my family and while still being fun. So, yeah. And the other thing about playing poker is obviously we're always trading time for money. So the idea of doing something where I don't necessarily have to put in hours to get paid is very intriguing. Yeah, it's, it is. It's cool. It's, it is fun. And I think there's a misconception about YouTube, Twitch, these type of platforms. Cause a, a lot of the thing is you got to realize when you start these vlogs or these, these things, you're not really making money even now. I mean, your vlog very successful. You get good engagement, right? You're getting good views, but a lot of the money, the actual money is not from YouTube, you know, from, from even 50 K 30 K hundred K views, 40 K views. These are not, um, you know, yeah. be cash cows. You're just not actually, it's funny enough, speaking of Doug, he was one of the reasons I, I he gave me some advice and we talked early on. I know you guys had a, a bit of an argument with markup police and there was some bets done with Sean. I want to, we'll talk about, but um, you know, he was basically explaining it and it makes sense. It's like, you're not, the check you're getting from YouTube each month is very small. Um, I would imagine, I, I would assume it's yeah, the same no, channel, but you're getting, you're getting exposure, you're getting opportunities, you're getting endorsements, you're getting sponsorship, you're getting all other types of auxiliary benefits or, or things that can come around with it. But with that being said, you have to be willing to put the time in the effort in and realize that like, you're not necessarily, there's no guarantee anyway. Like you could put in a year or two of like hard work yeah. and blogging. You may not catch any traction. Maybe it doesn't work. Other things could happen. So it's, it is, you have to really want to do it. You have to enjoy it. And and, sure. and, like it. and then from there, sort of hopefully some money and, and generation of revenue comes, um, comes home. Um, what was, uh, Tell us a little, tell me a little bit about that. I see one of your things here mentioning Doug and the, Doug needs help. And I make Doug and, you know, you guys got, there's a little bit of a markup controversy against stake Kings. You stake, there's these sites, these platforms, you can post action. People can buy it. You can set your own markup. It's a fair market. It's a free market. Uh, tell me a little bit about what happened with this and what sort of transpired just to, just to kind of uh, have a better idea. Cause I do remember it. I don't know that all the details and I'm very in tune to staking and how it works. So I want to kind of mm -hmm. give, get a look at that yeah. like a more closer view from your mouth because it's, it's it's hard to get information you hear your side yeah. a little bit you hear these guys just you can take a fact and like make anything look how you want so give me yeah. a little give me the real deal here yeah no um you can definitely take p things that people say and make videos about them and make it a big thing <laughs> right. um, but anyways yeah as far as the markup goes I, uh, I don't, I'm not a tournament player and it's uh, not something that I ever pretended to be, but every summer I would go to the world series of poker and meet up with all my friends and we would play some weekend tournaments and play the main event. That was pretty much the extent of me playing tournaments. It's like, uh, I just never thought that there was value for me to be traveling around and like chasing these big tournaments just because it wasn't really where I had focused uh, my study. And it, it was something that I felt like I wasn't, um, I wasn't making a ton of money if I was like traveling around and doing that. And I liked my nine to five life at home in San Diego. So, but like I said, the, the world series is different. It's something that I've done every year for over 10 years now. I uh, played the main event seven times and, uh, I always just kind of sold to the other high stakes uh, and mid stakes players that I would play with at, at uh, my local casino. And, you know, for, play, for the, for the main event, we always sold for like in the 1.5 range, just because nobody wants to give up equity in that tournament. You know, it's like the one chance of retirement. 
And uh, so when this this particular summer came around, I had a uh, following on YouTube that was always asking me if they could get a piece or, or on Facebook, hey, can I get a piece of your action? And rather than just play the main event, which is kind of what I normally do, I decided I'll play all the weekend tournaments, like four weekends leading up to the main event. It's going to end up being like six to 10 tournaments based on like how far I go. If I get knocked out early, I can hop in another tournament. And because those tournaments are such massive field big value tournaments with uh, lower buy-ins and basically the uh, the caliber, caliber, caliber of play is going to be very similar to what you would see at a 5-10 game or a 2-5 game live across America. I felt like I was really equipped to play those formats of tournaments. And so I, I decided to just set a, a brand and price of 1.38, a little bit lower than I would normally charge just for the main, main event. And I was, I, I also capped it at 5% max. Like I didn't, I wanted a lot of people to get in on it and I sold 30% of my action and it, it sold like, I don't know, within, within an hour and a half, maybe just posting on uh, YouTube and Facebook. Mm-hmm. And the next day, um, it was posted by like Sean Deeb that I was selling for high markup and that it was a scam or whatever. And it was the first time that I had ever been publicly attacked uh, after like being a social figure. You know, I never really expected to be a social figure. So I never really um, was equipped to handle people throwing shade at me or hating on me. So I was definitely really reactionary when Sean Deeb came at me on Twitter because I was upset. You know, I got something that I, I vehemently disagreed with him that I was quote unquote scamming people. I felt like I was allowing my uh, audience a fun sweat with me and something that didn't think was going to be losing them money. And if it was losing them money, it was going to be negligible. So um, long story short, he, he's never been wrong about anything. So um, it was, it was not worth arguing with him about it. And, um, I learned a lot from the situation and at the end of the day, I, I said, look, I don't want to, I don't want to like argue with you about what I'm worth. So let's just put a, a, a bet on, you know, my, my tournaments versus your tournaments in these same tournaments. Um, that way we don't have to talk to each other anymore. We don't have to like bicker and argue. I can put my money where my mouth is, you know, that doesn't have to be this like mudslinging match on, on the internet. And I thought that that would just handle it. Like, even if I lost, I'm like, at least he's not going to like come after me anymore. He'll just like win the bet and he can leave me alone. But it ended up, I won the bet and um, I like collected from him and he never apologized. And of course, Doug never apologized either. I exceeded my markup. I made everybody that bought a piece of me money and nobody ever forgot about it. People were like, people never remember the part of the story where I made all these people money, where I want to bet. They only remember the part of the story where someone else said that I was scamming people, which is unfortunate. People just love the drama. But at the end of the day, the people that bought a piece, the people that watched my channel, they all had my back. And it was, uh, it was at the end of the day, I think it was good for me to go to experience something that was tough in terms of like social media pressure because I feel like I, I learned a lot from it in terms of not responding, taking the high road, you know, just uh, not being consumed with other what other people think about me. So I think it was a good lesson in a, in a lot of ways. 
Very interesting. I, I just, I do want to touch on that because like I said, I'm involved with stake Kings. I've used it. I think for, in terms of it's, it's a little complicated as well, because when you talk about what you do, what I do streaming on Twitch, providing engagement, providing, um, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. You could start going all the way through it. The equipment you use, the travel, all the other stuff. Like let's say your real price in that tournament is one point two nine or three seven or whatever it is, or maybe it's whatever. It's sort of irrelevant, right? The, mm-hmm. I guess the real argument is about making sure people are aware how things work, what's standard, you know, like they're not, that no one's getting taken advantage of. Cause I will say like on stake Kings initially, how what was happening with all the, a lot of major streamers were on there. And it was sort of just like from that perspective, like, Hey, put up action, you know, let's just take, uh, you know, the, uh, the party poker, big game, it's 5k buy-in tough field, right? It's a 5k buy-in million dollar first prize. If you sold action or anyone put action on there, let's say you're, you're, if you really broke it down, you could probably sell out, sell a bunch and people don't really care. Right. Cause it's like, Oh, they're, they buy $10. It's a, it's a, uh, um, what's partitioned it's it's a it's a it's a marketplace people can buy small amounts of money they're buying 20 30 and say it's 2.0 markup they may not even think about it there's like i want 10 dollars of action and whatever right so it's a little tricky because it's like there's a fine line between is it like taking advantage of situation is it giving people what they want and if you told Mm -hmm. people look my real value is x i'm selling at this all of this stuff into it it's a premium is that wrong like i don't you know in 1.38 it's not like hey helmuth got helmuth got crushed for this too i think he sold at 1.8 or 2.0 and similar thing like people probably buy 5.0 of helmuth or whatever right if they just like for 10 bucks or five bucks so it's like where's the line where are you letting people know how what what's like what's fair what's not fair and it's not really just a clean cup formula there is other stuff to it and i think it's a that's unfortunate that it got blown out of proportion like that because I, I don't know where you came up with the exact number, right? Like it's like, you know, 1.48 would have been six. Like, I think you just basically said what you, you calibrate it to the main event. It's WSOP. It's like, you know, I don't want to sell for even money. I I don't want to take advantage. I'm just going to pick a number that like, is like, I get a little value. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think what I did is I added up the total number of tournaments and then I just said, I want, if I'm going to give up this, I want to bring in like, I was like $30,000 for that particular package. Right. Right. And then I just divided 30,000 by the number of like people percentages or whatever. and came out to 1.38. And it's funny when the wording that I used in my Facebook post was very like, you're buying a lottery ticket. Like, you know, this is don't expect to to win money. So obviously nobody talked about that either. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, it's a tricky, it's a tricky thing. And I, again, I think I get your side more. Like, I think it also, like, it's also kind of predatorial, the, the language, right. When you start saying scammer and this, that's pretty intense. And like, the thing is, you know, like, that's, I, dude, that's the biggest thing It's like, I, I had no issue with Sean coming out and saying that he didn't think that I was worth that. Yeah. Or, or, or language that said, Hey, I don't think this is a good buy. But like when you use the word scammer in the poker industry, this is already a fragile industry and something that's so far away from scamming, it made me so angry that I felt like I had to fight back. 
Right. I, you know, it's again, Doug and, and Sean, I think are two of the more polarizing characters, right? They're, they're guys that can really, the people listen, they have big followings, people respect them, you know, for the most, in terms of what they, like, they know that they're, they've made it in poker. They're very good poker players. So like, yeah, it's, I don't know. They like, cause yeah, at that point, when you use that, that language, you're basically, it's almost like attacking, like he knows you or he's saying that you're doing something wrong. And I mean, that, that's essentially where it's at. And I just think that, um, yeah, it's probably, it seems a bit un, unfair and a bit bit over the top, right? So I get your stance. So you needed to like sort of step up and say, "Look, like here's where I'm at," um, and and all that. Just, I just kind of want to cover it. I think I have a little better idea on that how that all went down. And like I said, I I, uh, I get what you're I get where you're at, and I get I get the whole thing. And I think that's uh, it looks like you handled it well. And and just if anything, you learned and went sure. through it. You actually persevered. You did win a bet, which is nice too. Got some extra content and. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, but at the end of the day, I definitely could have handled it better and definitely took some lessons away from that. Yeah, I mean, listen, Doug and, Doug and Sean, again, are, it's kind of a, it's interesting because like it's, I don't really, I don't know them that well. Again, met them, kind of know their deal. Like I don't necessarily get it because it's like at some point, at some point they like, they're, they're sort of policing the poker world. They keep, they put people on, you know, kind of, uh, they, they try, they do. It seems like they're like, want the best and look out for people at the same time. They just, just so like, you know, so firm and so like, Mm -hmm. right. But like at the same time, like they are sort of known as like integrity and, you know, poker ambassadors, poker sort of making sure that things are fair. So it's kind of like a bizarre, like line they're treading, you know, like it's just, just, I, I personally, I like, like them from in general, like my interactions and what I sort of believe. I just, from what I hear and bits and pieces and sort of arguments and things that spur up, I'm just almost like unclear what like exactly is the, you know, cause it's like, for example, you, someone I don't know extremely well, but everyone I know who knows you has all positive things to say. I know you're a good person. I know you're, you know, you're really good for the community. So just like these type of things where I feel like people that are definitely good people and definitely uh, in a, a spot that's maybe close like to go that hard just seems kind of bizarre to me you know like i just can't really put my head around these things yeah i, I mean the the poker industry is definitely filled filled and not just doug and sean filled with people that think that they know everything like we and and this is poker players are just intellectual people in general so we have egos. We think that we know more than the next person. So right. it doesn't surprise me when I, when I see um, certain people like can't lose an argument no matter what. Um, because in my mind, I expected them to take a step back and say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And like make a public apology. But there's some people that are never going to be wrong no matter what. Yeah, I think that that's uh, that's that is fair to say in poker. There's a little more of that, and I think it's why we we normally see it. it's uh, it's a duels, right? People go, they settle in the boxing ring, or they settle it in a heads up match. Uh, yeah, and that's sort of sort of what happens. It seems like over the the course of our last few years or five years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, thoughts on the Doug and, and uh, Daniel thing? Do you have any thought? I mean, you saw the video, I'm sure, and sort of Doug really went after Daniel. He's gone after him, and and kind of got his. You know, they're going to battle in a match. What do you have any thoughts on that sort of in in, in conversation? Um, I think well, it's, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. 
I was wondering, do you think there's like a fine line between um, fun and sort of, because uh, it's almost like if you didn't know or you're looking from the outside, it's like hard to know if they like generally hate each other, if it's like almost like back and forth kind of fun. I mean, obviously at yeah. this point it's gotten pretty serious, but like, I just don't know, you know, do you think that this is good for poker, stuff like this? Because this is, to be fair, this is pretty highly anticipated. I mean, this is going to be pay-per-view to see yeah, this. Like, I'm cool. definitely like, going to watch it. Yeah. Um, my thoughts on it, I, I definitely think that, um, it's a win for Doug. Uh, Doug has been after Daniel for a long time, uh, in, in the public eye. And, yeah. you know, some, some might say it's a marketing on Doug's part to kind of insert himself into these kind of situations. So for Daniel to let him get under his skin so much to the point of where Daniel's willing to play him heads up in a format that Doug is obviously a huge favorite in for a big sample size, um, it feels like a win-win for Doug, honestly. I, I'm, I'm not sure the upside for Daniel, but it, I think it's going to be, like you said, pay-per-view. I'm going to watch it, and it's going to be fun to watch. So I don't really – I think if I was a betting man, I would definitely bet on Doug. Um, but, you know, you got you to gotta bet with your head and not your heart here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it is. Uh, the whole thing is, is very interesting. So we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Um, and, and give me a bit more. We got sidetracked. So I ask a lot of questions, sometimes multiple at once. What, what, where did you get into poker? What, what got you sort of into the, this beautiful game um, originally? Yeah, I, I'm actually working on a video right now that I'm going to be uploading tomorrow that touches on this a little bit. But I think if, if we all look inside, especially myself, I've noticed this. A lot of the things that I've done have become as a direct result of being being inspired by those around me. So when it came to vlogging, like I said, seeing Andrew Nimi upload a video and talk about his life, a guy that I knew, I was like, wow, that looks like it could be fun. Same thing with playing poker. My, my little brother was playing poker for a living um, when I was working as a software developer and I would come home and he would show me what he was doing on the computer and and I'm like, why are you folding this hand and raising this hand? And, you know, what is a big blind? And he like he kind of just showed me what he was doing. And then but at the same time, as an older brother, I, I want to steer him towards the path that I think is right. So I was trying to get him to go to school, trying to get him to to really focus on, you know, the bigger picture. And one day he just he just sent me all of these congratulations, you have finished first place in a sit and go tournament. And he sent me like 60 of them in one day to my email box when I was at work. And I'm like, what is going on? It's like, I, I come home and he's like, look, this is what I've been doing. It's working. This is like how much I'm making per hour per tournament. And he was like breaking it down from a very responsible way. And I'm like, okay, I, th I think I can like get on board with this. I want you to show me exactly what you're doing. Teach me what you're doing. So I had a real mentor, a real inspiration in the space before I even invested my own dollar. It never, I'd never played blackjack, never played roulette, never sports bet, never, I mean, pennies around the poker table, you know, with my grandma and stuff like that. But beyond that, I was so risk averse. I still am risk averse. I think it holds me back a lot. It's one of the reasons why I don't play a lot of tournaments. And um, it's just my personality as being the older brother. But yeah, he was a huge inspiration for me to, to play poker, him and Christy. I mean, I remember on their first day I came home from work, I got up to go to work and they were playing heads up and in the living room at six in the morning. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, they're like, Oh, we're playing heads up. I'm like, you guys just went out on a date last night. You're, you're not in the, in the bedroom making out. You're in the living room playing heads up. Like this is the first date. 
Wow. <laughs> that's crazy. That was that. So you were there for that was uh, what? That's in Fort Wayne? Yeah, in Fort Wayne. So we all three of us lived together for probably 10 years. So when you have wow. people when you have people in your space that are that enthralled into the game of poker, it's impossible for me to not at least be intrigued and to at least follow along with what's going on. And that's kind of how it was for the first six months to a year. And then eventually it was, I think I can do this too. And one day left my job 13 years ago, one foot in front of the other. You know, I, you talked about like, in 2020, the the poker player nowadays is either a wizard, someone that, you know, studies their ranges and, and solves and things like that, or there's someone that's like a hybrid of creating content. I actually think that there's something in between. Someone who doesn't do any content, who's more or less playing mid stakes, you know, the $5 big blind, the $10 big blind range, and trying to scratch out like six figures a year, just like really hustling it and making it. And you don't have to be a wizard to do that. You have to be someone that's even emotionally, someone that can withstand the grind, someone that's um, dedicated to the hustle and being yeah. better than the players that are at their table. I agree with that. I, to make a caveat on my statement, I would say, I mean, in terms of, um, I'm, I should have said more for people that are, I would say, known within the poker ah, world. Like if you totally. were to go into a, into a card room in a random place, like I think it's safe to say most people would know you or me. Like at some someone to recognize whether they've seen a vlog or a Twitch or podcast, whatever it might be. You know, but if you're, if you, uh, there's definitely a lot of players and people that are super talented, whether it's being great at poker, game selection, bankroll management, even all these things that are, that are crushing it in poker. No question. Like yeah. there's guys all over the country in card rooms, home games, whatever, right? There's, there's a lot of people making a living doing very that, that well. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, just even for myself, you know, three years ago, I, well, I didn't have a social media presence. I wasn't on Twitter. I think I had a Twitter account, but I didn't post and, um, I was playing, you know, 10, 20, 25, 50 in, in Southern California card rooms, making a living. So I was playing much bigger, making more money back then. But if I walked into a, a Las Vegas poker room, nobody knew who I was. Whereas nowadays I'm playing a little bit smaller. I'm making more content. I'm probably, uh, not as equipped to handle huge swings. Like I was, you know, four years ago playing right. bigger games, but I'm more known now. It's, it's really interesting how that is. Yeah. Do you find are like if when you go to uh, let's just say the a card room in Texas when you've gone you've done some of the, some 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 meetup games or mugs or these different things like when you get in there do you is it do you feel like does everyone pretty much know who you are At, like in terms of because you got your camera you're doing vlog stuff you talk like is it sort of like is the vibe. Yeah people like they're like oh yeah John, like that's cool like i'm gonna be on youtube and johnny's here do you think some people are just unsure is it a mixture at this point um it's it's more of a mixture but i would say that it definitely leans towards more people knowing me than not knowing me and yeah. one of the things i really like to do in my videos is i like to showcase other people uh so if like i get owned in a hand I like to show the other person and, and like give them credit on my vlog. It kind of like immortalizes them. I've done that yeah. for a few people on my vlog and they just love it. And it, right. I love it too. You know, um, it's fun for me, but sh sure, man. Like I would say the first year or so, um, it was more just having fun and, and, uh, making videos, but then, uh, poker room started reaching out to me and they're like, will you come to our poker room? We'll pay for your flights. We'll pay for your hotels. We'll, we'll give you X amount of dollars if you just come and invite all of the people on social media. So I would do that. And, you know, five tables would show up 
that wouldn't have shown up if I didn't come. So it was like a win-win. Like I get to connect with the people that watch my my videos. They get to have five games going that they wouldn't normally have going. So it was a perfect partnership. And that was kind of the thing that I really was going after right before the, the pandemic happened. I was I did a road trip. I traveled around the country. Uh, I, I just kept going from city to city, places that would pay for me to stay in a hotel and and uh, pay for me to come play. I, I would just do that. And I and it was uh, it really helped turn Olga and I's uh, life around in some way where we just had this like extra uh, source of income and, and a way to really build a brand and really connect with my audience. And um, tell me, so you're you're the older brother uh, of Andrew. How, how old are you and how old is he? Yeah, so I'm I'm 39 and Andrew's 37. Okay. And you're with Olga. You are you guys are now that's how long have you been dating? Yeah, uh, so we've been married for three years and together for nine years. Oh, wow. So, so you're, dating, uh, you're dating for for a good chunk and then you got engaged and married in the last Yep, two, we got engaged at the 2015 World Series of Poker Final Table that the year that Max went deep. It was like suited up for Steinberg. So everybody was all dressed up and I, I would talk to Sarah Herring and I created this ruse interview where it was like, hey, you guys are here supporting Max. Tell us what, tell your thoughts about Max. And that turned into like me proposing on Poker News. So we have the video forever now, which is really amazing. Damn, we're actually, man, we have a lot of similarity there because I, I had a, uh, I proposed like, I think a few days later as well in Barcelona. I flew out and like, I had, you know, it was a huge sweat. I had a nice piece of Tommy, he final table. Yeah. And like, that was also kind of like, it's nice to get that, that financial boost. And like, I, I don't know, maybe get a little extra pep, but almost, so we, yeah, if you, within a week, we both had some uh, similarity there. That was, uh, that was when I got engaged as well. Um, so that's cool. And so how, how has that been? How is she with poker? How, is she super supportive? Yeah. Does she know how to play? Does she like help with editing or planning? Like you guys are sort of like a team where she's booking you know, places, reaching out and like, how does that work? Uh, yeah. So I think that one of the advantages of meeting Olga after I was already a professional poker player was that she knew what she was signing up for. She, she was, I wasn't like working in corporate America and then coming home one day and saying, Olga, Hey, I think I'm going to quit my job and start playing poker. So it, it, it was none of that. It was, it was from the very beginning. She accepted the fact that I played poker and she championed me and she supported me. So it, it definitely was a learning process in some ways because for myself and for her, because sometimes I would get crushed at the poker table, you know, you know, lose 10 K come home and I would be a little bit upset about it. And I, you know, wouldn't want to talk. And then she's like, you should talk to me and tell me what happened. I would tell her I lost a bunch of money. Then she would get upset. Then I'm like, okay, I don't want to tell you anymore because now you're even more upset. You right. know? So it was a process of, Hey, I want to be able to share like stuff that happens at the poker table with me and have you comfort me rather than like me now needing to comfort you about me losing. So it was definitely a process. And we're, we're to the point now where uh, she actually doesn't know based on my mood or reaction, if I had a winning or losing day, it, it's like, it's just, it's just another day. So um, she's been amazing. She doesn't play poker, so she doesn't have, we're not really in it together. And I kind of like that. I kind of like that our lives are pretty separate, separate. She, she's a hustler. She does PR. So she has helped me, uh, you know, schedule my stops for poker tournaments. You know, if we're going to 
um, X country and there's like a hotel there, she'll reach out and say, Hey, well, is there any way that we could like trade some, um, some video editing of like your property for discounted rate or a free rate? So she, she's on her grind too, with like trying to help our life with, um, she has her own clients, but she also chips in occasionally to help with uh, my stuff as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's I want to I want to touch on that because I think this is getting more and more popular and wondering your experiences uh, with hotels. But also, I mean, yours is a little different, too, because you're doing specific meetup games and, and, and games opportunities. But how have you found that experience of sort of negotiating on these deals? Because what Andrew Nimi, Brad Owen does, you know, you do. Um, there's a few others, like those are some of the bigger, bigger ones doing it. And both those guys have been on the podcast as well. It's pretty interesting, right? Cause this isn't like a, a, a say poker stars, party poker, GG, ACR sponsorship type deals, right? Where you get like a contract. These are actually very interesting in casinos. And, and it's not really like a formula, I think, because like, it's kind of hard to know, like they, they can see, yeah. oh, you have X many followers, but what you can kind of tell about once you get a portfolio, you can give a little more context, but it's kind of tricky if you're like going to a card room in Dallas and it's like, maybe the guy knows you, maybe he's a super fan, maybe he doesn't, maybe they approach you, maybe you approach them. But like, what is, how have you found that rate to, in terms of what's fair? Because it's like, it's kind of ambiguous, right? It's kind of tricky yeah. to say. And like, is it done like, well, they say, well, if you get this many tables or this many people in the door or they play, pay a flat rate, what's kind of the economics on these sort of, sort of uh, situations? It's definitely trial and error. And I remember the first time that I ever hosted a, a game at a casino. I, I did it for really cheap. I, I said, I did it for $500, which like obviously is pretty much nothing in terms of poker. It's like not even a full buy-in for playing in the game. So, but I was like, I want to prove that I'm going to bring them value if they give me this $500. And it was a huge success. And they're like, come back anytime you want. And they get to quantify it really quickly because they're like, well, we normally on a Tuesday at 6 p.m. We have X number of games. But the day that Johnny came here, we had this many games and they lasted for this many hours. And then after he was done playing, everybody went to the bar and the bar tab was this as opposed to the last weekend on Tuesday night. The bar tab was this. So they really get to X's. They get to see the dollars immediately pay dividends. So it allows me in the future to have more of like, a say like hey if if i do come to your to your uh casino this is likely what's going to happen this many players are going to likely show up we're all going to go to the bar afterwards also i'm going to make a video outlining what happened after which you know eighty thousand people are going to watch that video and they're going to learn about your uh, about your card room so there's some intangible um you're going to be on page one of google when people search for videos for your casino so there's other value, you might get a lifetime customer from someone that didn't actually know about your casino before. So not only do you get value in the moment for these games on the night, it'll pay dividends for years to come through like customer retention and living, having a presence on the um, internet. And, and the great thing about it is I always say, I'll make a video, but it's not going to be promotional. It's strictly going to be what happened when I came to your poker room I'm not going to say this is a great place to play poker. I control all the content on my own channel. If I if it wasn't a great experience or the floor treated someone terribly, I'm going to talk about it in my video. I'm just going to be straight up. Like you, you're not paying for a commercial. You're paying to have me like come and host a game. That's pretty much it. Right. 
Yeah, which is uh, which is cool. I mean, that's that's authentic. It's also card rooms that are that are good, and they know they're good. They're going to want you there, and maybe some places that are just like making money and kind of don't have a great product, they're not going to want maybe want you to do that. Um, there's, a, there's an interesting story actually on one of the on one of the stops um, I went to El Paso to play in this brand new room that not a lot of people knew about, but the the owner had reached out to me and said, "Hey, will you please come to our our room? I've seen what you've done with other." Uh, card rooms in Texas, I would really appreciate you like helping us out. So I was like, sure, you know, I'll do it for this amount. Um, I just want a hotel with, that's dog friendly because I'm bringing my dog. And we set it up and it was, it was the only time that was really a failure. Like people didn't show up and it was this perfect like harmony of me not having enough time to build like some hype around coming also them being so new also maybe they didn't have the best reputation i I don't really know exactly why it happened but i didn't deliver on that so i actually just gave them the money back i'm like i don't want to i don't want to take money if i didn't deliver on my end of the deal so it's it's you're you definitely um want to be as good of a partner as you can. Otherwise people are going to know that you're not a good partner. Yeah. And do you feel kind of nervous, anxious, excited? Yeah. It's so so nerve wracking. It's like, I don't, I don't know if people are going to come like, you know, it's definitely nerve wracking, man. You're definitely putting yourself out there. But I remember the first time I uploaded a YouTube video and I watched myself talk on YouTube. I'm like, wow, you look like, you're scared. You look like a total idiot. Your voice sounds terrible. So it's just another thing where you put yourself out there and if it doesn't work out, like you learn from it and maybe, maybe I never do a meetup game again. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it, it's interesting. Like, as you mentioned that I'm looking back, I mean, so how many you've done 79 or, or 80? I mean, you've been, yeah, um, I've done like, yeah, I've done like 80, 79 vlogs or so. And um, most of them were just me um, you know, making videos on my own. There's a small percentage of, you know, casinos asking me to come and, and make a vlog at their casino. It's it's really nice because I used to have to sneak the camera in and like use my iPhone and not tell anyone that I was filming. But now they're like, please use your, your iPhone. Please like post about it. You know, please make a YouTube video. Your, your, your videos are pretty consistent. They all seem to get um, pretty, you know, pretty strong engagement. Was this something where the videos right away blew up or was it like you got to a certain point and then the other videos sort of started to file back? Cause I, like people now yeah. start watching because they see the new ones and then they go and watch the old ones. Like how did your, your growth happen? Cause you know, I, I look similar. We have very similar channel in terms of numbers. Mm. Uh, I think in terms of amount of videos done mm-hmm. and, and, and my, I do a little different cause mine are some highlights, not so much vlogs, even though it's a mixture. Yeah. I do do some, but um, I'm just curious on your, um, real quick, I want to shout out Matt Kiefer in the chat too. I don't know if you you know Matt. He made a video on you, yeah, and he, he also did, yeah. uh, was a Platinum Pass winner. And and he has a very interesting style and sense of humor, um, which I, I really like his uh, stuff. So I want to say hi to to. I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like Matt Kiefer is a guy that I would have never met if I never uploaded my first video. He and. This happens so often with people that I create, um, that I meet through content creation. Yeah. I had dinner with him in Indianapolis. We shared a beer together. Like we we're actually real life friends now. And this is exactly what I was talking about earlier when we were talking about this. I love this video, by the way, this is actually, I want, this is this, this, uh, spoof. This is my favorite movie, the Shawshank Redemption and his, uh, I don't know if you saw this one, but this is, yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> 
really, he's, really, he's a really talented uh, cinematographer yeah. and editor. Yeah, I agree. So yeah, shout out to him. And we, exactly. need, to get, we need to get him to a thousand subs. I know he's been trying to do that yeah. for a while. Yeah, we we definitely. And I got I, I like Matt a lot, and I met him, and he was a platinum pass um, as well with uh, back in the day. And Andrew and I did a thing for that, and that was that was really cool. See that come forward. But you're right. I mean, that's that's true too. I could say that so many people I've met directly indirectly from poker uh it's pretty incredible like it's i think it's the greatest game i wouldn't choose anything even if i could make more money doing certain other things like i it would take take a pretty big kick to uh to switch up like what i'm doing to to you know to make it worthwhile because i think it's just so unique and i also think it's one of like you said the intangibles there's so many there's something now that probably in three to five years that maybe you'll be doing or have gotten opportunity or end up you know benefiting that's like most likely going to come from either something related to playing poker or a video or some opportunity. And I think that's like kind of the coolest part is it's just like, you yeah, know, if, if you wanted to relate dollars and cents to the amount of money that you're actually getting one-to-one on YouTube, it's, it's the, the value isn't there. Like, right. you know, I'm never going to make unless, you know, I'm getting like Brad Owen numbers, but like, he's part of the 0.1 percentile. So you could, you could like try your hardest and you're, you're never going to, to reach that level of um, influence on YouTube. But where the, uh, where a lot of the value comes in is take a quarantine, for example, like I was struggling to find good games and the good games just started coming to me. I started getting invited to all these great private games, you know, things like being on poker after dark, things like, um, you know, getting invited to, you know, other countries to play tournaments, those experiences and those opportunities would have never come if I would have never put myself out there and created content and and built up the channel. So those are huge value that don't really get counted into the bottom line that, that helped, um, shape, that helped shape my life and the experiences and which makes it so much more worth it. For sure. Tell me some, give me some YouTube hacks here. Cause I experiment, you know, as well, I've got some editors and different clips and things and titles. Like what, yeah. what are some, um, okay, here's, some here's one, uh, that- here's one for up and coming vloggers that, and, and like, I, by no means am an expert on this. I I'm pretty good at telling stories and putting videos together, but I, I don't know the algorithm. But one of the things that I really like to do is at the very beginning of the video, I put something that's like a highlight. So for instance, I get stacked in, uh, in a bomb pot in like uh, one of those more recent ones with the chip stacks. And I put that at the very beginning of the video of me getting like about to get stacked. And then, and then I'm like, welcome to, my, welcome to my channel where we talk about blah, blah, blah. A lot of people will start their video with, hi, I'm John Smith. Welcome to my poker channel. You know, so maybe go to the, go to ones with the chip stack. Go to one with the chip stack. Um, maybe that one, yeah. Oh no, that's the meetup game announcement. In the back one more. <laughs> uh, that one. Up. Uh, no, up. Yeah, right here. Uh, no, up, up one more. Yep, try that one. Okay, yeah. Here, here I am, all in. I'm moving my chips all in, and the guy says, "Call right." And I say, oh my gosh, this is the worst possible hand that you could have, you know, and then like, and then the video starts. So you're kind of already watching poker before you were even introduced to me or introduced to the video. And then I drop like, this is what's going to happen. I, what I see a lot of content creators do that are just starting out. They're like, you know, hi, my name is John. I create poker videos. And by the time you're 10 seconds deep, 
they haven't really told you anything and people click off and they like move on to the next. You only get a couple seconds on YouTube to capture someone's attention. So try to do it in the first 10 seconds and then let them know who you are later on through the video. Right. How does this, um, how does this work in terms of at these rooms, do people sign a waiver? Like when you're in the tables or any, is everyone there? Like you can film, do, is anyone who says you don't like, do you have to ask, do you have to get permission from every one of these people to be on video? Or is that basically they're signing something when they come in that day because you have a, you. Yeah. You, so what the, uh, what the, what the casinos do is they, it's a partnership. Like they're advertising that I'm coming. I'm advertising on my end. They're doing it on their end. They're building up hype for the event. And then when they enter, there's a sign that says by entering, you are agreeing to have your likeness used uh, for filming purposes. And, and like, so they know by coming in and honestly, everyone's super excited. Like they, they're like, am I going to make the video? Is this hand going to be in the video? And I'm like, yes, you own me this hand. Do you have anything to say for yourself? And I'll put like the camera on their face and then I'll try to use that in the video to kind of immortalize them on YouTube a little bit. Right. I, I had one guy um, tell me that, you know, I used one of his hands in the video and um, I, I talked about how his play and how he, he made a good, a good play and how he won all this money. He's like, my grandma watched that here in Ohio and she was so proud of me and she loved it. And she's and like that makes me feel amazing. You know, like yeah. I love putting other people, giving other people the spotlight in my videos. Yeah, that's that's cool. I, uh, I do like I will say you're you're the style. Cause like I I've done similar videos, but I like this angle, like showing the cards and the, the table, like putting it right there instead of having it sort of uh, off. It's, it's interesting. You no, know, I think that's also cool. You can really, like I watch videos. Yeah. I would imagine you're the same. I don't have a lot. I'm not watching like your videos, Andrew's videos, Brad's videos. Like I'll come in and check in a little bit, like even just watching a minute or two, you get kind of a feel, yeah. you can see some of the stuff you know, in terms of like how you're showing the cards and doing the stuff. Is that, have you made a lot of adjustments from the beginning? Oh, yeah. like, oh, this is, oh, you're constantly yeah. adapting. Totally, man. It's just a process of trying to improve my production value, try to improve the storytelling. You know, like I purpose, like maybe back in the day, I wouldn't have slid those pocket Kings right in front of the camera, you know, like maybe I would have just, I'm just more cognizant of what is going to look better on camera because the casino like wants me to tell the best story that I can about my session there. So I, I take it as like a personal challenge to to make better content all the time. And the first video that I uploaded, the audio was horrible. It echoed. I yeah. was, my camera presence was terrible. You know, the camera angles were horrible. I, I was definitely not a, a pro poker vlogger when I first started out. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very, it's very interesting. It really is. It is cool to see kind of uh, everything, you know, things get kind of optimized. And I think that again, that's, I don't know if you would agree, but I, it makes common sense the first you just got to take those steps because if you just wait you're just never going to do it whether it's on your cell phone and your first videos on your iphone uh which now obviously iphones and stuff are really good anyway but yeah. um you know if you're just if you're waiting for the perfect situation it's it's going to take a while also you just kind of have to come to grips with i i'm never going to look at my video and be like this is uh, this is the most amazing video ever I'm always going to look at it and be like, man, I sound horrible or the audio still isn't right. Or I wish I would have got that camera angle better. Or, you know, this video isn't quite as good as so-and-so's video. And it's just like, it's always going to be like that. So just got to come to terms with, hey, I'm never going to be, 
it's the same with poker. Like I'm never going to be the best poker player. I'm never going to be the best video editor. I'm, you know, I'm never going to have the most views on my poker channel, you know, it, most likely. So uh, if you can enter the, the space like that as like, I'm just going to have fun and create like fun content and do the best that I can, then you're going to be good with it. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. What is the biggest learning you've had from vlogging? Like what is something that really has, uh, that you taken to heart that you love, or you've, you've just kind of like, wow, like this is amazing. Or I'm glad I did. Do you, do you do your own editing? Yeah, I do my own editing. So, uh, occasionally I'll like collaborate with someone who, um, has like watched the channel or someone who I've met through the space and they'll like help me with an intro or something, or they may, they might like, you know, help with like filming or something like that. But for the most part, um, I mean, I do all the production and all of the stuff myself and that's not probably not a good thing. I, I think that I should be able to, uh, if I wanted to create more content, I, I would, I should bring in someone to help me. Um, and it's something that I've definitely considered and some, for the longest time I didn't really take like poker vlogging as like a serious thing. It was just kind of this hobby until I've kind of sat back and realized like, wow, this actually could be something that could help me feed my family. It was always poker feeds my family and this is something that's a hobby. So I think I've had the shift a little bit more recently that um, I want to make even better content and I want to have even uh, more compelling videos and help people even more. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I lost the question, but um but yeah. I, 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 just, I, I guess I'm just more uh, just curious about like something when you started and you uh, like, oh, this would be fun. Like what, what, what like has been so the best part of it? What, what to you is like the, your most enjoyable part of, of doing the, the vlogs? Like what, what, what's something that you maybe didn't expect when you started, yeah. like, I'll try this, I'll record. But what, like now that you're doing it, you know, what, what's the most beneficial or enjoyable part of this whole experience? Yeah, I think I, I touched on it a little bit, but all of the, all of the people that I've met through doing it. I mean, um, I was in, I was in Dubrovnik walking the streets of Dubrovnik and I got a DM that was like, did I just see you on the streets of Dubrovnik? And I was like, yeah. And he, he's like, Hey man, I watch your videos all the time. I'm a traveling DJ and I'm here for an event. So like I met up with him, we had drinks. I stayed at his apartment in, um, in Thailand, in Bangkok. Uh, we had dinner in Manila uh, one night and he's an international DJ. He's a, he's a, a DJ for a rave Republic, uh, in Asia. Um, other people that, uh, Oh, the, the, the person that I used, um, their, their song for a lot of my videos, I just found it on the internet, uh, scrolling for music for on a subscription site that I, that I subscribe to that allows me to license music. And right. I thought that it was perfect for my vlogs. So I started using it people started listening to the song and they're like, I love this song. Who, who made this song? So then I, I looked up the artist. I was like, go to the artist, tell him you listen to the song and that I sent you. And like his YouTube page got flooded with messages. Hey, Johnny sent me here. I love your song. His, uh, the plays on his Spotify got boosted up a ton. So he reached out to me and he's like, Hey man, I just wanted to thank you for using my song in your video. Um, when the next time you're in Texas, let's meet up. So when I was in Austin for a meetup game, I went to one of his concerts. I stood on stage with him and he told everyone like this guy's been using my, my song in his videos. And I just want to thank him publicly, like all of these mind blowing experiences that have come because of that connecting with all these people that 
would have just never happened. It, they're real relationships. Like we talked about with Matt Kiefer, like I've met people through making content that have turned into real relationships that are fulfilling. And that is a 100% the best part about it. There's a, there's a squad that I meet up with once a week. We play one, two low stakes on, on, on a home game app. And we meet every Thursday. We play every Thursday night. We get on Zoom and we, we drink beers and we have fun. I'm real friends with these people now. You know, they're from all over the world. Like there's guys playing on the East Coast. There's guys in Australia and Europe. And they're, I see them once a week. We, we talk poker. We talk life. We talk politics. These are real relationships that I've met strictly from creating content. And so that hands down has to be the number one perk is just all the relationships that I've uh, come across. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. What is, uh, what is, so the COVID just to, to talk about where you made plans here on your blog, you said, uh, coronavirus and our travel plan. Did, did that, have you stuck yeah. to that plan and how is this really, I mean, it's got to directly impact you for, like you said, you're doing vlogs, you're doing live meetup games. So this is not, you know, you're not really an online player or you're not, you're in the USA. <clears throat> you're not, it's definitely impacted you. So how is this, um, sort of changed and, 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 uh, what are you doing? Cause you just were in Mexico as well. You did a, You did a, I believe yeah. for GT or doing something, you played some WSOP events. You did a, did a bit of stuff on there and, uh, give me the, give yeah. me the kind of rundown. On all so that. the first, the first, uh, couple months of, um, quarantine, I was really scrambling. I, I mentioned this earlier, but I was like, I need to, I need to make money. I need to like play online games. I need to find the best home games. So I just started reaching out through my network and, and, uh, putting myself in games and I was playing every single day through quarantine and it went really well. So I, I'm, I'm thankful that I was able to, you know, pivot and, and make money through quarantine. But now that we're kind of like shifting and coming out, I love playing live poker. So I, I would really love to get back to playing live poker and making content about it. But in the meantime, I'm going to keep playing online. I'm going to keep uh, playing my uh, home game and maybe um, go to Mexico. But I'm actually finding the uh, private home game uh, environment um, profitable. So it, uh, it's definitely something that I never even was on my radar until quarantine happened. What do you think? What about doing like highlights or playing online and putting some of those up? Is that because I, I, your vlog, your thing is vlogs, yeah. but have you thought about doing some like reviews or stuff from online and, and all that? Or? Yeah, I've thought about that. And honestly, so here's the thing is that most people that make content, they are funneling, they're using that to like uh, funnel subscription for their, their uh, training site, or they're using it to promote something yeah. that they sell. Like, at the end of the day, I don't have an affiliation with any poker site. I don't like have a training site. I, I don't, I'm, I have like my, my clothes, my merch that I make that like, you know, I don't really make any money on, but I just like, I love seeing people wear my hoodie around or like my t-shirt or whatever, or my hats. Um, so that's more of like a fun project for me just cause I, I, I like fashion. Yeah. So for me to sit down and like talk about online hands there's no real incentive for me to do that. Um, mm -hmm. I, I help people all the time in my Facebook group um, just because I like helping people, but I really just focus on, you know, make, making, a, making a living. So yeah, I don't, I don't really think that like, you know, playing live, uh, playing online and like making content about it is going to be something that's going to be 
in the cards for me. For sure. Um, that makes that, that makes perfect sense. Do you believe the state of poker? Where do you think we are in terms of for the U.S.? Let's take that, like the U.S. poker uh, climate. There's Pennsylvania Pass, Michigan Pass, West Virginia. There's some signs of life. Do you believe that this is something that in a few years time that this will be could be open? Like, do you, are you paying yeah, attention? I, it's. I mean. I know that I'm a little bit worried about online poker, not in a sense for um, regulation in the U.S., but just the technology that's like coming out every year that's making it harder for the re- the average guy. And I would consider myself like close to the average guy when it comes to playing, uh, you know, online. So it makes it really difficult for for people to be profitable online. So less the regulation and more the technology that's coming out that's really hurting the game. Yeah. Um, in terms of live, I think live poker will always be a thing, and we're just on a short hiatus now. And um, because what you can never duplicate is the the ability to sit across the table from someone and talk sports and talk about life. And at, at the root, poker is a social game. And in America, it's like the ultimate social game. And we're always going to have that you know, when we come out of this pandemic, live poker is going to be alive and well. It's just, it might just take some time. Yeah, I agree with that. And so is it fair to say you you prefer live to online, correct? You like, that's your... Yeah, no, I definitely prefer prefer uh, live to online. It's like, um, it, it's it's just social, you know? I, I, I can still grind out a living playing online poker and it's what I've been doing recently. But long-term... I don't want my life to be, you know, sitting in front of a computer, clicking buttons. I I, I would love to one day, honestly, just re- be a recreational player and not rely mostly on playing poker for my income. Like that's, that's the dream. Honestly, you know, I, after like grinding for 13 years, I, I was, I'm not a, like, I'm not a tournament player. So there's no huge scores here and there. It's, it's literally just grinding out a living every year so that we can like take some vacations and put a little money in our Roth IRA and build for the future. You know, like yeah. I'm like the guy in uh in uh rounders Kanish, you know, like it's just like scratching out a living. So I don't want to yeah. do that forever for sure. Absolutely. What about if you weren't, Oh, oh hold on. Got a call <laughs> here. I don't know why that's ringing. Hold on. I'm getting uh, for oh, for the WPT uh, final table. I don't know why it's, uh, but I'm not on the commentary today. But I'm getting called by Matt Savage, so I don't oh, know what's happening. Sorry about that. Um, I was gonna say, what about uh, if you weren't playing poker? What what do you think you'd be doing or doing content? Um, well, that's that's a good question. It's hard to say. I was I was so like far down the the what you're supposed to do path of writing software and just being in corporate America, but after experiencing what uh, a life in poker is like. I really love hustling. I really love figuring out ways to make money. I love marketing. I love being creative. So I think if I, uh, if I left poker tomorrow, I would be in some sort of creative space that like was a marriage of marketing and, um, you know, business related type thing where I'm, I'm figuring out, um, a way to make money hustling basically yeah that's uh it is fun right it's part of the i think that's uh 
it, it is fun. It's fun to dive in and do projects and, and sort of uh, find ways to do, be creative with, with earning money. Uh, I do want to make sure we save time for questions because there's a lot. you got a lot of engagement. Of course, got a lot of fans. Vibes and flow. I mean, there's, it's hard to find stronger <laughs> words in the universe. And I, I do associate vibes and flow with positive. But, of course, there are negative flow and negative negative vibes are just in general, not always positive, um, vibes. So that I do like the, you know, I think that's a, it's sort of like a frequency, right? It's up to you to sort of put out these type of words and what, what sort of, uh, energy you want to give to two things. So, um, also just in terms of personal development courses, I know you've done some work, we've done similar stuff. Do you have any, is there any sort of real, have you done, I don't think you've, have you done burning man or no? No, that we were supposed to go this year, actually. And um, obviously, that's that's not going to happen. Andrew and Christy, obviously, like I said, we lived together for 10 years. Andrew yeah. and Christy are huge influences in mine and Olga's life. They're like, we're kind of like a, a foursome power, like couple. We, we hang out, we do things all together all the time. And the fact that we didn't go to Burning Man with them last year was kind of like, dang it, well, we got to do it next year. And now it's not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, we've been to, we've been to um, Tomorrowland in Belgium. We we love traveling. We've been to you know Miami for Ultra and EDC and EDC Mexico. We've been on stage in EDC Mexico, which was which was uh, quite an experience. But yeah. yeah, Olga and I are very experience focused in a lot of ways, and um, we are you know big down the path of learning about ourselves and open to you know open to experiences, open to feedback and, you know, dropping the ego. But obviously as a poker player, it's tough to do sometimes, but for sure. Yeah, we do. Uh, we're, we're similar to you in that we, um, we definitely don't think we have it all figured out and are always opening to learning about ourselves. What, what is the favorite, favorite destinations you've traveled for poker and otherwise? Cause you've, you've traveled a bunch. Give me, give me for, yeah, I, I played poker in a lot of places as I'm sure you have as well. Um, Oh, I, I love, uh, I'm a warm weather person, so I definitely love, uh, warm weather places. And we recently went to, um, Thailand. I love, I loved it. We had a, a great time in Thailand as in terms of playing poker, you know, the experience of being in Barcelona and being by the water and just the culture of Barcelona and being there. Um, it feels like kind of James Bondish, uh, like a, definitely a fun experience. Um, played poker in Estonia and Dublin, Ireland, the Bahamas. The Bahamas isn't my favorite, but favorite place just because of, uh, were you at the Atlantis or the one at the Bahamar? Which Atlantis. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get Bahamar a chance. It's a, the party poker now does it there. It's supposed to be again in November, but that's a, it's a completely different vibe. It is. It's oh, different. Okay. It's uh it's, the Atlantis is fine. I like, I went there for like 10 years in a row, but Bahamar is just, it's closer to the airport. The, it's like a win. It's sort of like a win in the Bahamas and every, the restaurant, every, the layout's nice. The cart, the, it's, it's just clean and fresh. You would love it. It's, it's I, oh, I also, I also played poker with Angel Guillen in an underground Mexico city, like mm. mansion with like security guards and like, no, couldn't, you probably couldn't vlog that one. Right. I did. I did. And I, uh, I kept it real low key. I just didn't show any like, you know, distinguishing features about the place because I didn't want it to obviously like advertise about this place. Um, but we, we definitely made a, a video about it and, wow. um, yeah, it, it was amazing. Like, like that, I, here in Tijuana, the, uh, the have to check that one out. Do you remember? What number yeah, was? it's, uh, it's, I think it's like number 20 or 20. Yeah. 20. Oh, yeah. Very cool. yeah I'm going to, yeah that's uh that's their rooftop in mexico right there 
Um, yeah, I, like the owner of the um, Tijuana Cholos, the uh, soccer team. Yeah. Uh, they, they had me in their box one time. Um, one of the guys that is uh, like owner of the team or brother of owner or something watches the videos and he wanted to invite me down to watch a game. I, so like I said, there's like all these things that come up that are, that are super awesome experiences. So yeah, um, playing poker around the world has definitely been a treat and something that I love, you know, most recently was in the Philippines at this like extravagant new casino in Manila that reminds me of the win. Yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. Like it, the, the different venues and, and uh, casinos are, it's just something about it. You know, it's kind of fun. There's like an energy and it's, it's, a, it's vibrant. I mean, obviously they no clocks and the oxygen, and these type of things, but like going to a new venue is kind of cool. You know, it's like, Oh, how am I going to run? How are the chips? What who's yeah. there? new, new cast of characters? Um, did you ever play at uh, the aviation club in Paris before it closed down? I did not actually. I'm not. Were you, have you played there? Yeah, I played there one time and it, it was, so I went there for a month and I played a month straight uh, in Paris and I would just go there every night and um, play cash games. And it was such a fun experience. Like every, all the guys in suits drinking their wine and, you know, if like a bad beat would happen, they'd be like, ooh la la. And like just the experience of playing with, you know, the the French players and being part of that, like you walk upstairs and, the place has been around for a hundred years. The railings like dark mahogany and you yeah. enter this room and then they shut the door behind you before they can open the next door. And you have to like be dressed nicely, no shorts. All these experiences that I've had through poker have been absolutely amazing. And something that, um, something that I'll like always look back on. Absolutely. I'm, I'm completely with you on this. Well, let's, uh, let's dive into some questions because we covered a lot and I know there's also some questions I did see that I wanted to ask. Um, so let's, uh, let's kind of go through here. Uh, let's okay. Well, ghost of M right here, just a fresh one off the top lead mod, the man right here, Marco asking what his thoughts are on game integrity, playing in different States and different card rooms. Does he ever decide not to play in certain States or venues because of his opinions and how rules are enforced. Is there any places you don't agree with? They're just the vast difference on this stuff. Um, I mean, so I, I've boycotted the Venetian for a long time, uh, just because of Sheldon Allison. But in terms of, uh, in terms of the actual poker rooms, as long as I feel safe there and I, I, and I think the dealers are doing a, a decent job, I'm usually pretty lenient with, uh, with, you know, playing in those places if the games are good and the rake's not like terribly too high. Um, but occasionally I'll go to a place and I'll feel like the security is lax. So like I don't feel comfortable walking out of the casino with X amount of dollars. So I just, I won't go there. It, it happens from time to time. And and I just had a thought too about uh, traveling and uh, you and your wife, Olga. Uh, <laughs> what about kids? Do you have, is that on your horizon? Do you want yeah, to have kids? At some point there will definitely be kids. Um, I mean, I'm definitely getting older right now, um, but I'm maybe within the next couple of years. Yeah, Andrew and Christy are always also talking about that, and it would be really amazing if we had kids at the same time that they did. You know, so cousins could be together and things like that. So we go through things because yeah. I like we love traveling together, and like if they have a kid but we don't, it kind of like it's not the right time. So if we could time it together, that'd be amazing. 
Yeah, it's uh, it is cool. It's cool to have in within a year or two apart. It's it's a, it is a nice nice to have that sort of uh, go through that process. Um, it would change things obviously that in terms of what you know amount of poker. Just in, in general, it's a big change. Sure. So yeah, get your get your vlogs, get your travel, get your stuff in, and then you know see adjust because it's not just like well, even even the thought of it has already started to shift my mind into a more long term vision oriented thing because for the longest time. I was just grinding, man. I was just grinding and trying to like find a little bit better games and make a little bit more money than I did before. But I was never saving. I, I, we were blowing it all on experiences. And I would say the last like year or two, I, especially since the vlog, I've been more focused on for the future. And I, and I think it's partly knowing that we're going to have kids one day. And, and I, I've heard this from other people. You, you probably shed some light on this if it's the same for you. Once you actually do have the kid, it even goes into more of an overdrive. Like, okay, this is for the future. We're like, we're going to do this. And it's all like future oriented. For sure. It is. It's different. And even now it's like you start, you start realizing and it's Bill Perkins, very close friend of mine was on the podcast just now again about his book, Die With Zero. I think if you haven't checked it out or seen this, you should, I would recommend, it. I think you would really get a lot of value out of it, talking about these experiences and memories and stuff. But you know, it's a, uh, it's just one of those things where, you know, now, for example, like I love playing poker and, and I, there's nothing more that I enjoy. Like go, go play back in the day one two two five go to casinos travel around sit and put a session but like now i couldn't even i wouldn't even consider sitting down and playing a cash game randomly at a at a at a in this particular moment now in a few years okay different but at this period of time where it's busy you know your children and there's like it's like all right i'm gonna do this or that but it's just like it's just interesting because it's funny because like I love it so much, but like it's just like that's not really an option. Like I'm just not going to go drive uh, and go play like five hours at a cas- and play in a cash mm-hmm. game for fun right now. Like as like I want to, but I just wouldn't do that. Like I, I maybe do some filming stuff or playing a game, or it's just like you start realizing more less time and less um, things that you maybe think or take for granted that are just like it's different. Mm-hmm pockets of your life so it's a it's just it's interesting i would say oh one thought i had too about vlogging and these videos which for me is the most interesting and and best part is the uh the sort of journal aspect because like you said now i have kids this happened like the the years blend together the world series and oh in 16 or 12 what year was it what happened who was i with was i sharing a house with friends was i solo was i married you know what was going on it's like now i can look back and i kind of have a library for this time period, at least where I can go back and be like, Oh man, that was fun. Or like, yeah, that happened. Like, I remember that that was cool. And that, that was bad or that was good. Um, Mm -hmm. it's sort of a, it's like a really, it's like a journal. It's a fancy journal, if you will. Yeah. I make, I make a conscious effort to do that in my videos. Cause you know, at the end of the day, if I just like talk about hands in my, in my videos, I'm never going to watch that back. But if I talk about the time that, you know, you know, I've, I've, I've cried on my videos, like in some of my vlogs. I've told my dad that I loved him in one vlog. I was with my mom in another vlog, you know. Um, I interviewed Olga about what it's like to to be with a poker player. So, like, I have all of these things that are really journal in nature so that, like you said, later on, when I do watch it back, it'll be enjoyable. It'll be the time that we went to Mexico and we, we went to EDC and we played in this underground game. Like I'm actually telling all that story rather than just saying, Hey guys, went to Mexico. Here's the hands. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, 
Yeah, but like something you said earlier about like, you know, playing one, two and two, five with your buddies. One thing that I find so fascinating and I think that people don't realize is that initial love with the game where you're like playing the small stakes with your buddies and, you know, the riding the $300 wins and $500 wins and feeling like they're like so much money. Those moments, while I did wasn't in the best place financially and I was just starting out in poker, I look back at those moments as nostalgic and and so fun and yeah. and the irony is is that people in those moments are looking to people like us and thinking what if i could make six figures a year like what if i could have people watching my youtube channel when in reality i look back at those as like such the fun times you know like enjoy those fun times it's never going to be like that again yeah no because it's yeah it's, it's funny you said too it's like because now if and I'll go play with my dad or some friends and play. And I actually don't mind. Like I hear people say once they start playing two, five, five, 10, 25, 50, 102, like bigger games, like I can't go play one, two for me. Literally, if we were, if you were like, let's go play 10, 20 or one, two, I wouldn't care. Like I would, I would actually enjoy it. And it'd be fun if it's like a good group of guys and the game's like good, like as in terms of, you know, it's, it's good action. It's a good time. Like, I don't care, but like, you're right. Looking back at those initial grinds, like the initial set up like start where it was like if you won or lost a thousand it was like you knew like your, your day was different like you were gonna have a little extra pep in your step you're getting the you know, tv or maybe you're buying like some nice clothes or getting a pair of shoes or two like yeah that mm-hmm. that is kind of fun because it's like once you get past that point and you're sort of comfortable um you know a lot of the time you're not really like your actual day-to-day is not going to change if you win or lose in a session um for the most yeah, part it becomes more more business and, yeah. and less fun as you get as you progress through the game yeah, i think that's true in sports and other things like i remember growing up playing sports and then through a, you know different times or like playing club soccer for state championships and stuff was more impactful and intense than when i was in college playing mm-hmm. soccer it was like all right like it's fun it was like it was different but i kind of lost like the you know the, the actual the, the core of the the best memories and parts of what i enjoyed were not always at the uh the highest level so it is interesting. Yeah, that's one of the beautiful things about playing like cash games specifically is that you don't have to be at the table like if you're not having fun and things aren't going your way you can get up and like there, there's a new day you didn't travel to x place to play some tournament and you need to like stay and grind it out there's been times where i specifically remember playing at the aria one time and things weren't going my way and i'm like i'm not having fun it's it's like friday my friends are in phoenix a short drive away i literally took my chips cashed out got in my car drove to phoenix and bought clothes for that weekend and hung out with my friends it's like the 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 those memories from poker I can't do that now. You know, I can't, I can't like, you know, have a bad session at the poker table right now and just be like, Hey, Olga, um, I'm going to drive to Phoenix. I'll be back in like a, a week after a weekend of partying. Like it's just different, you know, as you get older, uh, the, your, my life in poker has just evolved to be a more business-like life. So for those of you that are starting out and, and really enjoying this grind, you know, really struggling through this grind, but yeah, having the highs and lows really cherish it because, Man, this is these are the times right now. Yeah, and, and to to another point, like I just remember when I was 21, 22, 23, some of my best friends they were playing poker. Yeah, in my head, I was like, in my in my mind, I was like, I'll get married at X, you know, let's call it 35, 36, I'll have a kid around 40. Like that was sort of how I always just thought about it, at least when I was like 18, 19, 20, 21. And like at my I live with Mike at the time, Michael Phelps, the swimmer. And, you know, he loved poker, but he was super into training. I was out of college and I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, it'll be great. He's going to finish the Olympics. 
I'm like playing poker and I'm already starting to do some of these tours. I'm like, we'll go around the world. We'll just like travel the world and go to every poker stop for like a year or two. You know, next thing you know, he's engaged. I'm engaged. He has three kids. I have a kid. And like, and listen, we still talk and hang out, but it's like, it's just, that's not the same. And they same thing. Like you have a wife, I have a wife. Like, yeah. it's not just like, Oh, like, you know, granted we have freedom or you can do what you want, but it's just like going and doing to Bill Perkins point on the book and about these pockets like you got to embrace enjoy the steps because like i wouldn't trade anything for the world for my i have a 16 month old son and my wife in this time it's great and i'm and take and it's the best but the other pockets are not there right now and maybe in five years or three years then you start doing like family vacations but the first year two three that's it's tough you're learning there's there's routine the child so it's like you're just not just doing whatever and it's not even if like your wife lets you or wants you to it's just like it's not really i don't want to miss my son for a week like growing and developing i don't want to like so it's just kind of like it's tricky you know and it, it, it it's just so powerful to uh yeah, to, to the point, be present and be, you know, maximize these times because mm-hmm. your time is your time and then new new times come. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's just important, especially in poker, these pockets. Like you said, it might not be you, but your friend may get married. Your friend may have a serious girlfriend. Your friend may have a, a kid. And now, like, you're just – that's not your guy anymore. You're not just like yeah. with them. Like, now you're on a different program. You're single, you know and they're not and you're this and they're not and it's like you you just it's just it's life is crazy right you just can't really plan like your point about six months anything over about six weeks i think you could forget about it you have to kind of be you know liquid and look at covid happens you got all these plans you're going to travel this and then boom now the world shuts down like what it's not about what happens how you react and and stuff's constantly changing and you got to be got to be able to adapt um what about okay so take some more questions here what is your your uh what we covered some of this covered uh, some similar uh, what about wsop best place do you have a, a great deep run in the main event yeah i've played a, like i said cash game player but i i would play the wsop main event um pretty much every year for the last seven years i, I took one year off but uh i've played seven times and I've cashed the main event four times, so I've had a pretty good track record in the main event. And my highest place is 385th, and it was for like 30 grand. Yeah, I remember. There it is right there. I mean, I mean you can you, – you obviously are a tournament player, so you know this better than most people. Running deep in any big buy-in tournament, especially the WSOP main event, there's not really a feeling like that in poker. You know, people are blowing up your phone. They're like, how many chips do you got? Like, who's at your table? How are you feeling? And like, when you're sitting there playing, you know, a 10, 20 or 25, 50 cash game, you're not getting one message. Nobody cares. Like, they don't care. But like, when you're running deep in a tournament, there's that vibe, there's that flow, there's that energy that's like, this is it. This is why we play poker, this excitement right here. Yes, it's uh, it's for sure. Uh, it's one of those things that's hard to describe. But they, would you say you're more you are more cash game based though? Which do you like more? Do you think like is it like on a if you could? I don't know how to even calibrate it. But what would you say like to you? What do you enjoy more, uh, cash game or tournament? Or give me a scenario and, and similar. What you would com- comparable situationally? You know, is it like day three of a? in the money deep in a tournament versus playing like the highest stakes cash game you ever played? Where's sort of the, the balance on what you, what, where you would say that is. Uh, so I've, I've always enjoyed talking about a uh, complex, deep stack strategy in terms of cash games more than the ICM number of big blinds from position that you're going to like min raise versus shove. And like, you know, what you're, 
three bet frequency is going to be from the small blind or whatever. So like, I, I don't enjoy the tournament strategy quite as much, but, and, and I make a living playing cash games. So I, I kind of treat tournaments as like this lottery ticket or this fun thing that I have on the side that I get to do every once in a while. So hundred percent cash games are, are work and tournaments are fun, you know? So I keep it, keep kind of that separation probably, you know, I, I, the time that I've dumped into getting better at content, if I focus that time on getting better at tournaments, it probably would have been a good thing, but, um, you gotta, you gotta choose your time. I, I chose choose your time in the way that like is optimal for you. And based on the number of tournaments I play, I just haven't put as much study into it, but yeah, man, so fun. Like tournaments are fun. Yeah, it is. It is fun. I mean, again, like getting a deep, getting deep in a tournament with the stack, the room shrinks. There's really not much more exciting where you could win 100, 200, 300, 400 buy-ins. Whereas in a cash game, you know, you could have a good night or two and, and crush, but you're just never really having that chance to, uh, mm-hmm. to, to like completely level up in, in a spot. Um, but yeah, there's, it's, uh, there's been times where Andrew has gone really deep in tournaments and specifically the main event one time he made a WSOP final table and Christy also final tables and things like that. Those moments are so fun for me as like an older brother. It's almost more enjoyable when they're doing it in a weird way. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's less, it's fun. It's less pressure. And especially if you have a little sweat or swap or piece, it's, it's like the ultimate. And you're just kind of like, all right, I don't, I can't blow this. It's up to them to drive. And then you just get to yeah. sweat and, and cheer and, and all that. So I saw Gary Gates as well. You had a nice. Yeah, last uh, year, Gary Gates. Like I've been so lucky to have some of my closest friends go to WSOP final tables. And, and my brother got 28th one year in the WSOP main event. So those sweats of like the people that are super close to me getting deep, are definitely moments that I'll never forget. So, and I, I made a video about Gary actually uh, yeah, on my yeah. channel. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Um, very, very, very intense. Uh, let's take, let's get, we've got a lot. And I guess, you know, you can always on Twitter see some of these too. And, and, you know, a reply, we'll try to get to cover a fair amount. Um, people ask about vibes in the real name. We talked on this earlier because, again, I almost forgot, but it's John Moreno. Uh, yeah. You are, but you go, you, you talk about vibes clothing. So it's not your yeah. real name, but you, you sort of embody Johnny vibes. And that's sort of like your, your uh, yeah. like people know you as now like and it's interesting like i said before no idea that like johnny vibes was going to turn into a thing i just thought it was a name that i picked on youtube after like you know my friends call me that so we'll put that on youtube and then all of a sudden it's a thing <laughs> yeah i, li- I like you know, it. what about your planning <laughs> and um what about favorite hand what's your like jack nine suited what's your what's your sneaky non-aces uh, favorite yeah, hand? this is the other thing i feel like when you're just starting out and just coming up through poker you have these things like i had a jack seven suited hand that i I just love jack seven suited for some reason but as you get older as i've gotten older i don't really like think about favorite hands anymore it's like now my favorite hand is aces you know on the button Mm -hmm. and i kind of just like more moved into like a business relationship with poker versus favorite hands and and fun things like that which is sad on some level for sure. I got Matt Kiefer here again asking a question. It's been 87 days since your last vlog. Not that he's counting. When is the <laughs> next one coming? Uh, tomorrow. I'm going to upload a video tomorrow. So, And then after I upload a video tomorrow, I'm going to be consistent with like a video every 7 to 10 days, at least for the next two months. 
And so is that something that takes planning? Like you've been on a little hiatus. So have you been like queuing it up, getting your stuff organized and just sort of ready to launch? Or is it like, I just yeah. sort of press totally relaxed. Dude, I mean, when I first started making, when I started, first started making videos, it was like, should I make a video today? Sure. Let's do it. Now I have a project management software called Asana. Like I'm a grown up now. It's, it's weird. Like I, I like plan things out <laughs> And I'm like, I know what the title of my next video is, the title of the video after that, the title of the video after that. So yeah, I, I kind of, I, I not only poker, but also the vlogging, I take a more business-like approach to it now, even though it's still like a creative fun thing for me. Do you, what do you think is your number one, give me the best tip. Someone wants to start a YouTube channel, watch this or inspired. I'm going to get out there. I want to start doing some stuff. What would be your suggestion to start for someone out there? Okay. Um, well, I, one of the biggest misconceptions I think that people have with creating content is they think that you need good equipment. Mo like you can do good, <clears throat> make a good video with just using your iPhone. For me, I, I have a $500 camera with a $250 lens and everybody talks about my videos being like so high quality, but in actuality, my equipment is not high quality. I, I the, what the key is, is lighting. If you can always pay attention to lighting, like right now I'm on a webcam with you right now and it looks like I have a decent webcam, right? It looks like I'm actually using, it's cause I'm sitting in front of a window. Like I, 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 I don't, my desk isn't normally in the middle of the room right here, but I'm just paying attention to lighting. And it's something that people don't do on YouTube. So if you have lackluster equipment, pay attention to your lighting and pay attention to your audio and improve those two things. Because if you don't have good lighting and good audio, people are going to immediately click off of your video. So beyond that, I would say <clears throat> one of the things that I think people do a bad job of when they first start out is that they strictly have their face talking to the camera. And we lose interest when we're looking at someone talking to the camera and there's no like other visual, no other prompts, no other storytelling elements than you just talking to the camera saying, hi, I'm, I'm John Smith and I'm gonna talk to you about poker today. And today I went to the Commerce Casino and we played this game. If me doing that, you could have shown a, you should you could have shown a video of commerce. You could have shown a, a shot of like me buying chips. You could have shown like walking into the casino. But what I see so often is people will talk for two minutes and there won't be other visual prompts. You you only have one chance to visually tell a story. Don't don't waste it by just having your head there talking. Mix it up. And you would would you you would talk over that you're saying you would have like visuals and you talk oh, about so like it. I set up the camera uh, I I know what I'm gonna talk about I, I have like a rough script and then I I I, uh, I deliver uh, on camera and then when I'm in the editing process if I talk about something and I have a clip for it I just drag that on top of that that piece of me talking there and mm -hmm. and I do that every like couple you know minutes. Right. Uh, so that it's like a, 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 a cohesive story. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I, I don't actually do my editing. I think there's pluses and minuses to that. I think that would be, you know, a whole nother, obviously great skill and experience to do. It's also a bit frustrating to, to do a vlog, put it together. And then it's not exactly how, like, obviously the more you work with someone and they get to know your style and you can give feedback or say, you definitely want stuff in. But, um, I, I do respect the locks. I know how much time and effort that takes, um, mm -hmm. to do, but I think there's a lot of benefits to doing that that way. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know if Andrew still does that. 
one more pro tip for everyone. Yeah. So if people are going to watch your videos, they're going to do it because you are providing value for them in some way, because people don't just want to give you their time unless they feel like they're being returned with some value. And the way that I primarily give value is through education, through like actually talking about my thought process in hands. I'm not the funniest. I, I don't, I can't like come up with the best jokes. You know, some people like, uh, like Ryan DePaulo, shout out to Ryan DePaulo. His value comes from how funny he is. You know, sure, he's going to he's going to give you some like education, too. But his primary value is education. So I'm sorry, entertainment. So through humor. So if you are like wondering why aren't people watching my videos, it's because either the production is so bad, the lighting, the, the, the microphone, the storytelling is boring. You're only using your face or you're not giving them enough value. And if like you can if you can nail check all those three boxes, give them value, tell a good story through visuals and have good audio and uh, good lighting, you, yeah. people will watch eventually. Give me give me your take on the Apostle situation. I know that was one of your video titles. And also, I guess, you did you play with him on one of the, the sessions on, on one of these yeah. lives? And, yeah, I played with him one time. Um, I actually was hesitant to, to weigh, on the, weigh in on the Apostle thing because I think the poker communities were like really quick to uh, cancel people. And I, I had felt the, the wrath of like unfair um, online bullying in my past. So I wanted to reserve judgment. So I actually waited about three to five days before like Joey started like doing all his videos and Doug was releasing videos. And then when I watched through all of their stuff and the stuff that Veronica was saying, it was, it became clear to me that he was cheating in some way. Like there, there, there was not a yeah. shadow of doubt in my mind that he was cheating. So once I, uh, took a measured, uh, you know, measured, uh, assessment of the situation, I had no problem with coming out and being like, I think that he cheated and, and, um, you know, posting a video that I thought that he cheated. I just didn't want to rush the judgment, but yeah, the, I, I don't think in, in poker, there's, there's a couple things that are just, you deserve to be canceled instantly. One of them is cheating. And so like, he has no sympathy from me. Yeah, it's it's tough. It, it, the actual the, the results are, I, I guess I kind of heard were in, or they they couldn't really figure it out, or the case was sort of dismissed, or some settlement. I don't know exactly, but it's a bit it's a bit disappointing. It feels like a kind of a bad, you know, just in terms of content as well for us. It's like it's a bit tricky, right? You're like basically saying this guy essentially cheated. Everyone sort of realizes that, and then you're almost just like, well nothing can be done or based on where it's at in California or however, it's a bizarre situation for sure. The whole story is a, a little bit disappointing. Um, what, what is your, what is your take on live games? Like, how do you feel? Do you feel in the vlogs people play differently one, but two, when you're on like live at the bike or this, you know, the, these other televised streams, how do you sort of adapt? Because there is definitely something there, right? People are not playing exactly how they would in another game. It's also the fact that you get to see, maybe do you feel people fold more because like they know they get to see it. They don't have to like turn it over. Like what, what do you, what adjustments do you make when you're playing live or in a vlog? Yeah. Uh, there's definitely, no, there's definitely adjustments to be made. Uh, so one of the things that people don't realize is that I play, I've played a lot of live poker, even after I um, was making vlogs. So if you were playing poker with me on a daily, daily basis, the likelihood of 
me making a video about that hand or making even a vlog about that session was so low. I was like making a video, maybe one out of every eight sessions. So most people never really thought that they would be in a video unless I was doing like one of these meetup games. And when I go to a meetup game, people are like really trying to make the vlog. So they'll call looser or they'll um, play hands in uh, loose type ways. So I definitely have to make an adjustment at meetup games, uh, fold a little bit less. And in, in, in my normal like day-to-day -day grind, I would say that most of the time people lean to be a little bit more scared and lean to be a little bit like more passive against me because they think that I'm a good player and like I have a reputation of winning. So um, I think it's hurt me in a lot of ways. Um, it's like people are just more cautious around me than they used to be when I, uh, when I play like my normal five ten game or whatever, but in meetup games, no, they're, they're loose. They're splashing around. They want to be in the video. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I'd say that's a good, good way of thinking about it. Makes, makes a ton of sense. Sense. What is your, let's take a couple more here. What is the, your endness? What is it? What's the end goal in poker for you? Is there, let's say you win the main event, 5 million, 8 million, 3 million, whatever. Do you, if you hit a certain amount, what would change for you? Are you, do you have a goal in that respect? Or are you just kind of going with what, what's being dealt and just figuring it out as you go? Or do you have any sort of long-term goals with poker? Um, Oh, this is, this is tough. I mean, I always see myself playing poker in some capacity, you know, just cause I, I love the game, but like we talked about earlier, I would love it if I got to the point where I was purely a recreational player, just not really relying on poker as a, like an income. Like that's the goal. The goal is to play poker, not for my primary source of income. Um, and you know, we talked about six months down the road being hard to like figure out, let alone six weeks, you know, six weeks, let alone six months. So the end goal is to continue to do things that creatively inspire me, continue to figure out ways to make money, continue to, to get better at poker, because the moment that poker becomes not fun is the moment that you are either regress. I'm regressing. I'm not like putting in work into the game. I'm not learning more or, um, so, so I, I think that to answer the question specifically, I always see myself in poker. I just want the end game to be in a more recreational type way. For sure. That's, that's a, that's great. I, I agree. I think that's, that is the ultimate goal. Um, do you think live poker will increase or decrease in 10 years? And I guess I want to know the same for, for online, but I kind of think, yeah. that. Um, I think the live poker will be steady. I think it'll be like, it'll return to the 2019 levels, um, of poker in terms of live sense. And it will probably, I mean, I, I think that people are starting to realize like, uh, the content game, like things like Andrew and, you know, the numbers that Andrew and Brad are putting up that the game like can still grow. Like people can still be introduced to the game. I mean, there's been so many times where I've been at a meetup game and people have come up to me and said, this is actually the first time that I've ever played in a casino, but I wanted to come play at your meetup game because I watch your videos and I really enjoy the content. So I know for a fact that like new people are being introduced to the game and I only expect social media influence to continue to grow. So I think that live poker will stay the same, if not grow as it was in 2019 online. I'm a little bit worried. Um, in one respect, online is always growing. You know, like people are always moving online. They're they're 
doing DoorDash instead of like going to the actual uh, restaurant to get their food. Like it's just, that's the way that life works. What, what worries me is what I talked about before with, with the technology and like having the operator stay one head step ahead of the technology. Yeah, it's true. Uh, where, where, what about sports? Do you think, or do you, do you bet sports? Do you, do you watch uh, a lot of sports? Dude, I, I, I am so like, I'm so responsible. Like I don't gamble on things that I don't feel like I have an edge on, which is like one of the reasons why I don't play all the tournaments. But I will say I, this past, uh, this past Super Bowl, I was with Max Steinberg and uh, Danny and I followed them around Vegas. It's like another creative project that I'm working on. I followed them around Vegas while they play $75,000 in Super Bowl prop bets. And they're using this like simulation tool that they, that they own called SaberSim. And my job is to tell the story of them making these bets and as like a, uh, like a fee, they gave me a piece of their action and, and I don't want to spoil it, but they want a bunch of money. So it kind of like woke me up, like maybe I could like start to go down this road. Cause I absolutely love sports. I love being a spectator of sports. I, I know a ton about NFL. You know, I, I used to, I played football when I was younger, um, on like a semi pro kind of level. So the, to to like get dabble in that and like learn more and go down that road. I think I'm going to start doing that this upcoming season and at least like at least learning more about it and start throwing out some sports bets and try my hat at it. Right. And what would be, do you find yourself ever in a tough spot with poker? Uh, take one more after this, just to, to just to give us a perspective. Cause you know, it's, it's a bit, it's it's poker's a little unclear how people view it. It's skill, luck, is it gambling? When, when you're promoting, you know, you realize you are, and myself is in that, and, and all the other people we've mentioned. There's in there when you're pr- producing content, you're basically promoting the game. It's a game you enjoy, game you believe is beneficial in general, right? You know, it's you know it's skill game. You know it's profitable for you. But like, do you ever worry about? promoting gaming gambling people that are going to maybe try to that, that shouldn't and do it like what's your kind of take or talk uh stance on people and to let them know that hey like poker is not for everyone it is a it's a skill game it's a passion game it there's you know you can do it as a hobby and, and just be careful like where do you kind of draw the line or be to sort of as a disclaimer to people that you got to be careful responsible how do you sort of approach that yeah. Um, that is, I mean, I've, I've battled with that internal conversation for a long time and I, I think it was more of an argument. It was more of a conversation within myself when I was playing smaller stakes because right. you would see people playing, uh, like two, five or one, two that shouldn't be playing. You know, you, right. you can just tell based on the way that they, um, that they carry themselves that that money should not be on the table, but you run into that less at the higher stakes. So like if you're playing like five, 10, 10, 20, oftentimes I'm playing with, you know, doctors, lawyers, you know, retirees. So I don't, I didn't face that conversation very much in the last five years, but now it's resurfaced with me creating content and promoting the game. So for sure, it's something that uh, I, I think about. And as a result, one of the things that I, I love doing on my channel is I, I like doing these like short challenges. So I'll do like 30 days in a row and I'll just share my results for those 30 days so that people can, I did something called embrace the grind so that people can see exactly what it would be like if you're a high level poker player playing a $5 big blind game. This is the example of the embrace the grind. I did it for 30 days in a row and I didn't want there to be any ambiguity between like, oh, he never has ups, he never has downs. I wanted people to see like really what happens. And I think on day three or day like four or five of the of the 30 days in a row, 
I lost, I want to say, uh, I'm maybe like four thousand dollars, forty two hundred, or something like. That. I, it was it was a big amount for for the game, and people got to see that even pros lose, and when they lose, they lose big amounts, and and like it's just not all sunshine and rainbows. Sure, at the end of the month, I, I showed like a decent profit and a decent hourly. But if you look back through those 30 days, there was probably six or seven days that were really painful. So I don't, I want people to see that. I want people to see the pain to know what they're signing up for. And yeah, let's, uh, the, I just want to, one of the closing things here. I do want to ask about embrace the grind. So this is a, you have a store you've got, I think this is, this is definitely one of your, your models and, and about what you, you do. So tell me what that means to you when you, when this embrace the grind. No, one one of the things I love about the 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 motto or the the way of life of embracing the grind is it doesn't just have to do with poker. It it can transcend any discipline, any area of life that you want it to mean for you. It right. just means that if you're going to be successful, if you're going to progress through life, it's going to be a grind for a large portion of of that journey. And the and you have to embrace it. There's no shortcuts. There's no way to becoming a high level poker player without going through the grind. There's no way of, you know, becoming a high level entrepreneur without, you know, what Gary Vee talks about, without quote unquote eating shit along the way. So I I I I felt like it was like a great um motto for the channel and it's it's become something that the channel has been known for. Um, and something that I'm going to continue to talk about. Very cool. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, I I like that. I agree. That's something that definitely carries over. I think that's one of the things you could say about anything, but in particular poker, I think that so many of the things that you, you know, the core principles and, and things that make a successful poker player are things that attributes really carry over to to life in in so many so many ways. It's almost like the perfect. Uh, replication where you can you can have the opportunity to you know it's like golf or certain sports see how people win see how they lose how do they handle themselves how how do they deal with adversity are, yeah. are they dis, you know all these different things you can really get to know someone pretty well uh, at a poker table and, and it's also just a spot where you get to chat right you're sitting across from next time you talk it's like a conducive place for these things to to transpire so uh, i think we're most, pretty aligned on what we've, we've most importantly you get to learn about yourself you know yes. like you get to look deep inside and say, how did I react in that moment when that thing happened at the poker table? And those lessons that you can learn from that, you can't really yeah. get anywhere else that, that quickly. Yeah, I, I agree. I actually, I had a, I had sort of a yes moment yesterday um, where I, I just like sharing and speaking on that too. Like I was in a really good spot. I was on day two, essentially in the money, like one away. It was like 137 left, 400,000 a first. I'm like, this will be my best Twitch stream. I've had. This is like the biggest sweat I've had in months. It's exciting. I have a ton of chips. All is good. I get on and, you know, I get a little early. All of a sudden I have internet's cutting out four or five times part of the struggle. I think people also don't really get to see the work for, for streaming, for vlogging, right? It's a lot. There's a lot of videos. There's a lot of stuff you shoot that you probably never use, that you can't use, a lot of time, effort, struggles, you lose you lose equipment, you lose this, a, you, your battery's dead in an opportune moment. Like yep. all these things that you could never really 
that like you just don't know. And someone just looks at the vlog. It's easy to click a thumbs up or down or give you feedback, but it's just, there's a lot of behind the scenes things that are, you have to deal with. So like, I'll just say yesterday, um, sorry to go on a tangent here, but I go, my internet cuts like four or five times. I not only am I not allowed, like not on Twitch, I can't, I'm blinding out of this tournament at this point. I'm on super tilt. I come back on after 20 minutes, it goes down from like 120 left to 105. There's a pay jump at 104 first hand back. I still have 28 big blinds. So like, I'm not blinded out of the tournament. I actually have a lot of chips guy opens. I shove Queens. It's a knockout tournament. So people call it a lighter. You know, it's a pretty, it's 30 blind shove. I just think whatever I shove he has ace King and I'm out. So I literally went from like not being live at all. I was live for like eight minutes total for like 50 minutes in played a few hands. Didn't win one pot should have like an epic stream and all the excitement i'm doing all the social the build up all the stuff and then i'm just out and i don't even it's just like it's just lose a flip i don't uh, get to play a hand i who knows what hands i i i lost while i was not there i probably had aces i would have hit a set you know who knows i could have been chip leader and then i watched like ryan reese at another table you know i had like 900k to start today he had 100 like eight blinds wins a flip wins another flip and now he's at the final table there's 100 left he had like no chips he was out of the turn it's just like it's just crazy but then so the point of all this rant is i was ticked i'm talking to my team you know i'm sending messages i'm tilting a bit like this is so f like what the hell why is nothing work why am i technologically cur-? all this stuff and then i sat back and after it was all done i looked at myself and i said you know what i came on about 15 minutes before this thing started i saw the internet was weird i could have tried some stuff i could have st- like done stuff really i could have been an i could have been earlier that day i could have got i would have noticed this problem was happening an hour before I went live, I could have troubleshot some things. I could have, I could have done some other testing. I could have been more prepared. I could have not done this. I could, you know what I'm saying? So it's like when you yeah. start looking at results and situations, most of the time you can be the one to blame. You can have done something differently or you can just take something positive and realize you, it's not about what happens, how you react. Because so, and I think if you look at your sessions, there's times where you've lost money. There's times where you've not done stuff and maybe the card, you take a bad river. Maybe you were rushing. Maybe you were, you know, like you really can find and take ownership to your point that you learn about yourself. And that really it's a lot of the time it's within yourself to make changes or to make, to, to have your outcome be different. Right. And I think that's something that is very powerful and it's very hard to, and I think the elite, the best in their craft are often the ones that, realize this own this and find ways to be better because like oftentimes it's not there's just like the excuses are very easy and you can really point blame at any situation not at yourself so i don't know that was just something that like i it was a very in five years of streaming content that was like a more frustrating day for me but like looking at kind of it's like it's also how does that inspire like i felt inspired you know mm-hmm. like i was like i felt like man like that i like it sucks this is terrible but I'm going to be better next time. I'm going to do this differently. I'm not going to waste this opportunity. I'm going to make sure that I am fully prepared. And and uh, and I would just wonder maybe on the closing note, do you have any experiences similar or some bad thing that happened with streaming or content or videos that happened that you learned and then benefited from moving forward? Off of yeah. my rant, I'll let you close with sign there. Well, you need to clip that rant out because that that is like going to be perfect for a clip to share with people when you're struggling in poker. Don't be a victim and think about what are the things that you have in control and what are the things that you can do to become a better poker player. And that mindset, just like you said, that mindset is what separates the the, the great players from the players that think that they're a victim to the deck. So 
You need to clip that out, Jeff, just for a, a reminder for you. <laughs> but for, yeah. for myself, um, I'm trying to think of anything that comes to the top of my head. But when I really sit back and think about like all the twists and turns and all the times where I was like, I feel like I needed to win that flip or the time that, you know, I didn't get, um, you know, that opportunity with that poker operator or whatever. I feel like it's always led me to something bigger and better. And if something didn't go my way, it's just a reminder to work harder and to continue to grow. And, and I mean, even the the relationship that I was in uh, prior to my wife, Olga, I thought I was going to get married to her. And I thought that that was like, um, she was the one and everything. And when we broke up and it was over, I thought it was the worst possible outcome that could ever imagine. Like I was, I was distraught for a long time, <clears throat> but when I zoom out and look back at things, Olga is so much a better life partner for me than that person ever could have been. And it took me going through something that I thought was terrible in the moment, stepping back. How was I in this relationship to cause what happened? How am I not going to be that way in the future? It led me to something bigger, something better. Being with Olga, someone who fully supports me playing poker. My my last relationship, she didn't like me playing poker, for example. So it's it's just like, just, yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree with that vibe, that flow any more than giving my 100% endorsement on it. Everything will lead you to something bigger. If you're doing the right thing, if you're living in the right way and you're taking the right lessons from everything. Absolutely. I, 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 for sure. And uh, last question is, I want to take again from Ghost of M, Marco here, because um, he helps with YouTube clips, edits, and highlights uh, for my channel. And he's very much into this uh, <laughs> facet of the, the game. And I popped it up here on the screen from the live YouTube here. What do you think about the importance of graphics overlays for cards? Some vlogs have them, some don't. How key is this type of feature uh, and how that's presented? Uh, this is this goes back to what I was talking about earlier in the show. You definitely want to do things visually that help tell a better story, right? So if putting cards on the screen is going to in enhance the visual of the storytelling, then you should do it. And I, I think that uh, cards doesn't necessarily have to be a fancy graphic, but it, as long as the card is on the screen, it helps facilitate a better story of what happened in the hand. So I, I think it's it's vital. And the people that that don't use any sort of visual aids, their their storytelling is going to suffer as a result. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't need to be fancy, though. It definitely doesn't need to be fancy. I like how you pulled up my Hendon mob there. All those Hendon mobs, they're all from the World Series of Poker pretty much. Yeah, I see. I mean, your main event, uh, your main event run is pretty impressive to have this many caches, four or five or four, four in the uh... four main event and seven um, overall at the World Series. I think I, I don't know. What does that say? Like a uh, hundred thousand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I think I've probably in my entire lifetime of Hendon Mob qualifying tournaments, I've probably spent around a hundred thousand and I've cashed for a hundred thousand. So it's definitely not like like people get caught up in Hendon Mob numbers and they're like, oh, you've you've made one hundred and three thousand or one hundred and five thousand or whatever that said, and what they don't realize is that like, nah, I, I've probably spent that much on tournaments too. It's not like, yeah, 
it's also the, the thing about tournaments is if you're realistic about what it is and you understand that you're just you're basically hopefully breaking even or winning a bit or you know over variance and then you pop one it's all worth it like well long <laughs> run, you, hit the, you, it, you hit that final table you hit the the million dollar score you have pieces you know you're in you're in the mix it's like it's, it's like anything like kelly criterion in in life with about a percent of your net worth and different things whether it's bitcoin or stocks or uh, other you should have some some little bit of, you know it's nice to keep it fresh you want to have different little opportunities to to sort of ex- excel and 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 have a chance for some big hits so that's yeah, uh, i've around to that i i'm more on the tournament train now uh, my brother is you know obviously a big influence in my life and you know just um i, I think that there's definitely value in investing more of my energy into tournaments so when when the live tournament thing comes back i'm going to be hopping on that train and putting more effort into getting up on that scoreboard that everyone cares about Yes, I I um, I agree. I think uh, tournaments are also a bit of a dangerous game. The variance and getting sucked in, and you know, it's a uh, it's it's one of those those spots that it's it's great to do, but you want to be careful. I would definitely recommend to people getting into poker. You know, you dive in, see how the cash games go. You know, segue into it. it takes a little less time commitment and a little more consistent. So you want to be careful. Tournaments are fun, but you know, you yeah. be careful because it is it is exciting. Once you get those chips and get deep or have a good result, that's easy to just like get, get hooked in there. What, and, and what do you think about quality over quantity? Cause I, I would say too, I think the world series in particular, we see people go to Vegas you know, I've done a lot of summers where I'm like roll out of bed every day. Cause there's an event I'm playing, I'm going late, I'm doing whatever. Or do you like to do focus on a few events I mean, and come on time? And do- I think in terms of like, that's my motto quality over quantity. And that's like, that's the reason why I pretty much exclusively play the WSOP events during the summer. It's because I can go there for relatively cheap. I have friends that live there. I can stay there for cheap. I um, I can play all these huge field, high value tournaments without a lot of overhead. And am I going to fire every day? I mean, it's the same reason why I took the bet with Sean Deeb. I knew that he was going to be firing every single day, max late regging, yeah. playing all the tournaments. And I was going to be focused on these tournaments. I was going to register in level one, deep stack play, my specialty and focused, you know? So I leaned quality. He, healing quantity but that probably makes sense for him you know he he's he's an amazing tournament player so that makes sense for me personally i gotta go for the quality over the quantity and and just to put that in perspective uh, you could put this in anything i think you know you're you're talking about basically the player of the world series right he's won it or he's runner up or he's right basically the most results and and whatever and and guy you're challenging but it's like some of antonio espanyari and kevin hart they boxed Antonio had time to train. He got 35 to one odds. He made it his life mission for seven months to do this and trained exactly how to beat him in this scenario against his opponent sparred with the replica size. And, 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 and then Kevin, he's doing movies. He's doing 40 things. He comes in, shows up and expects he's going to win. And he got beat. And it's like, you can, you, it's, you know, it, it's, yeah, I like that quality over quantity. I think that's one of the things I've struggled with too doing too much in world series coming late i'm late registering i'm doing vlog like just not being fully focused and present and and you know you see the guys that win bracelets and I think that it's like it leans you can lean you're on a spectrum like you're you're obviously a highly accomplished tournament player so the quantity argument is there for you you know put yourself in the best spots over and over as much as you can i so i think it, it definitely makes sense for someone like you yeah, it's it's all it teaches own, and I think there's uh, you know pluses and minuses. Again, if you're if you're alert and you're you're, I think I, I think the biggest thing is awareness. You need to be aware of what you're doing. I say this all the time. If you're doing this, don't expect that. If you're saying I'm going to do content, I'm going to go, I'm going to 
do everything. You got to understand you're sacrificing some play and some things and be okay with that. If you want to be the best at what you're doing, you know, and you just want to focus on one thing and be the absolute, you know, outlier in that thing, that's okay too. I think you just said you need to be alert and understand that what you're just like being present, right? You got to be present. You got to think about what's happening and be realistic about what you're, what, what's going to happen. Uh, well, it was, uh, I, if there's anything else you want to close with any, any leaving message, anything coming up, I do it. We're going to give away this ticket, uh, giveaway here. Going to, going to copy this link and then we'll give a ticket away courtesy of party poker. And, uh, Mr. Johnny vibes is going to himself. Johnny Moreno is going to tell us when to spin it. But what, what about, uh, anything else, anything you want to touch on future coming up in the next week? You got a vlog tomorrow. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I, I'm not here to promote anything just, um, just to connect with you and say, thanks for having me on the show and, uh, introducing me to your audience and yeah, new vlog tomorrow. And thanks for having me on. Let's pick a winner. Let's do it. You tell me when I'm, uh, I'm going to click it when you tell me and someone's going to get this ticket. All right. Don't be, don't hate me guys, but we're going to go right now. Boom. Someone's got it. It's coming in fresh. You never know. It could be 33 into the dream. We've seen and heard many crazy stories. Uh, it starts with, uh, you got to start, you got to play, you got to, you got to fire, you got to take chances. And we have got someone here. Oh, a female it looks like Svetlana Ferris is going to win the ticket. So we'll send us, oh, she's won one before. She's not a first time. So hopefully a uh, second time is even better than the last time. We'll send a message there. And Johnny, thank you again. This will be out on all the podcast outlets. This is a live YouTube recording, but we'll have it on the, the audio if you want to catch it later. And again, great to catch up and get to know you better. And we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll cross paths and, and do some content and stuff in the future. And uh, best of luck over the next uh, period of time here so good luck thanks a lot jeff we'll talk soon all right cheers man all right guys that's johnny moreno check him on the socials he's got a website he's got a ton of things to follow along with he does a lot of a lot of uh podcasts or i'm sorry does a lot of youtube on vlogging and he also is a instagram twitter he does he does it all so give him a follow stay up to date with him and catch him at one of his live meetup games. So again, we'll have more podcasts. We've got one tomorrow and a couple big guests lined up. As always, we are keeping it fresh and fun on the flow show. And that was Mr. Vibes. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with party poker. Go to partypoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.